Kevin Bacon is invisible. Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell are the other guys. And Scrooge McDuck is a movie star. This week on 30 Hello, everyone, and welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you back 30, 20, and 10 years ago into the past of movies, TV, music, video games, and so very much more. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? Well, they call me the Yankee Clipper, but it's only because I shot Derek Jeter during the World Series, and I'm really sick of it. My name's Diana Goodman. Thank God I understood that reference. And who else? It's me, Sarah, the original UHB. (laughs) And a ton of fun things to talk about in this episode of childhood favorite of mine. But if you don't know what 302010 is, we look back at the 30, 20, and 10-year anniversaries of some of our favorite stuff from this week. And we're recording this week from July 31st through August 6th. So we'll be traveling back to that week in 1990, 2000, and 2010. Thank you. I hope I don't need to explain 302010 anymore. You think the concept is so simple, but then you realize it's just three numbers and people won't know what that means. Uh, so if you're accidentally listening to our podcast, you're welcome. Uh, I do have to thank our executive producer, Jason McCoffrin, and many other fine people at patreon.com slash laser time. I should say Chris Baker, legendary Chris Baker, works at Marvel and Lucasfilm. He'll be joining us for a look at the video games of July 3020 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Ooh. I cannot wait because uh, he worked in the press in the year 2000, and there are a bunch of weird stories if you worked in the game press uh, during that period. I worked there 10 years later. Uh, fun stories abound. A massive, massive video game show only for patrons at the $5 level patreon.com slash laser time get yourself a weekly free podcast over 100 movie commentaries and a bunch of other stuff related stuff we do here <gasps> 30 2010 july 31st through august 6th 1990 let's start there shall we and uh, we shall. a little bit of news uh iraq invades kuwait uh kicking off operation desert shield eventually um, no, then it becomes Desert Storm. Oh, I see. When, become, uh. when it becomes a war in about six months' time. So we've got the, the prelude to the first Gulf War right here okay. with Iraq eva- invading Kuwait. And back in the day, all we heard was, well, he did it because Saddam Hussein is an asshole and he wants to conquer the world. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you read up on it and you find out, oh, no. This shit is complicated, and it goes back to, like, the 1890s and goddamn colonialism. Wait, wait, wait. Are you telling me the Middle East is complicated? Because that of is... colonialism. <laughs> because the fucking Brits, the fucking Brits Damn fucked it all. it all up. So so Iraq is this big old country, and Kuwait's a little country right next to it, but Kuwait has most of the access to the Gulf there, and Iraq doesn't have that much. And Iraq and Iran had been in a war for most of the 80s. And Iraq had these like huge debts, both to us, to the Saudis, I think some to the Kuwaitis. And also the Kuwaitis were drinking their milkshake. They were literally doing the thing with the slant drilling and stealing, <laughs> taking some of Iraq's oil from like at the border. It's literally the I drink your milkshake scene. <laughs> wow. And yeah, Iraq was just kind of fucked all around. And so they're like, oh, we think Kuwait is maybe they're going to get aggressive with us. So we'll get them first. Like, it wasn't a good thing that they did. Iraq invading Kuwait was bad for everyone all around. It was a bad move. It was bad for Iraq. But it was a lot more understandable when you, like, read some of the backstory of, like, oh, this is, like, 
long time coming. Sigh. And I, I, I only remember this happening because, you know, the news wasn't always on in our house. And all of a sudden it was. And I just have a remember. My memory now of it is like asking, Dad, are we going to go to war? No. Son. And it's just like, what a heartbreaking thing for a little kid to ask their parents. But that's, yep. I, I remember I was about to go to school. So I had that pressure and I was worried about the world going to war again in these places mm-hmm. I've honestly never heard of as a 10 year old. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I was, I, it was incredibly confusing. Still is. Oh, yeah. I, I read about it as an adult. And um, yeah, apparently got us, doesn't seem like it did much for us either time. Uh, but here mm-hmm. we are. One could draw a straight line all the way through to 2010. Yeah. 2010. Honestly. And 2010 mm-hmm. and not 2020. We're thankfully a war for oil is like the least of our problems. Um, it's <laughs> not like we have people in Iraq still. Oh, whoops. <laughs> uh, They're a functioning democracy. Um, uh, but uh, So are we. <laughs> we all are. <laughs> in, in some good, some probably good policy news. San Luis Obispo in California becomes the first city to ban smoking in bars 30 years Obispo. ago. Obispo. Somebody put a C in that word. It doesn't belong there. That's yeah, me. San Luis Obispo, which is kind of right at the border between Northern and Southern California. I'm surprised it was them because like they are sort of beachy and hippy dippy, but it's also a pretty decent sized college town. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And I'm sure they hated that. You have to go outside to smoke? What do you I, mean I'm going to come home and my hair doesn't smell? I am so glad I, you said I scanned, uh, I read a scan of this article, which is not something I, I usually do because usually people archive news a little better than that, but I had to read a hmm. scan. So around a giant ad for Sizzler uh, was an article <laughs> about this and, and bar owners were incensed. Absolutely yep. incensed. They're like, we are. I had sixteen people in here last night on a Tuesday afternoon. Now I got two, and and it just as as a smoker at the time this all started happening. I remember kind of kicking and screaming and like nothing's going to be the same. New York's reporting an increase in fights because drunks are now on the street. We can't do this. Yeah. And now it's just like, who cares? I, I like yeah. an occasional cigarette or cigar and like just do it outside. It's not a big deal. And every every time I have the opportunity to smoke inside, I'm like, I don't like this anymore at all. It feels. Uh, so crazy i feel like i'm breaking a law which i possibly could be i guess but yeah i remember we had friends who were like the last of our friends who smoked inside their house and it was like wild yeah it was so it was like going to a different country that's why like not only when i watch stranger things and shit like that do i like feel the must of all the moisture trapped in that shag carpet like yeah almost (laughs) like 60 percent of these houses smelled like indoor smoke and uh, and you know every bar did and, I, and I, it's, it's one of those things I, I haven't even noticed is almost extinct. There's like a yeah. distinct smell, too, because my grandmother's house had it because she smoked, where it's a smoker's house where they are extremely clean, but they still smoke inside their house. So it's not like that, like, super musty smell, but you can it's still in the air. You know, it still permeates everything, right. but everything else mm-hmm. is, like, spotless. And I, like... I can still remember that smell so vividly. And I don't think I'll ever smell that smell ever again, to be it's, honest. It, it, yep. Yeah, it's definitely weird when you do smell it. And I wonder now, because occasionally, you know, my lady friend will, like, spark something else in the house. And, like, why does this dissipate in, like, 20 minutes and smoke? <laughs> like, a single cigarette will linger for days. Uh, I don't know. I don't like the smell of that in my house either. Mm. I make people go, smoke. if you're going to smoke weed, you got to smoke it. Out. Everything smokable has to be outside. Makes sense. Um but, I mean, there are some definite obvious upsides to no more smoking in bars. I mean, first of all, obviously, it's better for the health of the workers and mm-hmm. everyone else who is there. And second of all, it makes it really easier. It makes it a lot easier to find, like, bars that are, like, secret bars or clubs mm-hmm. because you just, like, you're 
there, there's a whole bunch of industrial facilities and then like a couple hipsters standing outside smoking. That's where you're going. Yeah, that's true. They don't need a sign. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. I, I used to love when I smoked having to go outside because it's the perfect excuse to dip. Yes. Yeah. Like, I said when I quit, I said for this conversation. I, when I quit, I said to, to people in my office, even HR, and like, I have no other reason to like, I can leave a meeting and just say I'm going outside <laughs> to have a cigarette. Like, <laughs> like you can't, I can't do that with anything else. Like, ah, some cool news on the internet. I got to take off for a second. Uh, yeah. <laughs> cigarettes allowed you, you to do like, that. Be like, I have to go poop. I have to go. But you can still <laughs> say I've got to go smoke. And everybody's like, ah, I understand. And I'm sure that probably doesn't happen that much anymore. And yeah. I know for, for a smoker at the time, it 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 made me smoke less because I couldn't just sit there and light up. You know, you're not watching your watch and you're just acting on instinct after a couple of glasses of wonderful poison. Uh, but you, but if you have to go outside all the time, you really have to consider how often you want to have a cigarette. So mm-hmm. anyway, good on good on America for that. Yay, California. Yeah. We're cool at stuff. Sometimes, yeah. Most of the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, generally, if you live in uh, like eighty percent of the country, stop listening to your governor and probably start listening to Gavin Newsom. Yeah. Um, we've gotten our shit together way better than everyone else. Deal with it. Yep. Uh, and yep. with that, we mo- should secede. <laughs> I, I'm coming, please. Uh, I would. I'll hap. I'll happily uh, chant to presidents of Silicon Valley before anything like this again. Um, <laughs> Movies of 1990, July 31st through August 6th. Uh, Metropolitan is a movie that's out, uh, but even though Ghost, yes, is still number one at the box office, and we're all pretty okay with that. But also, Metro- highest, highest grossing film of the year. It's going to be there. Wow. And uh, Metropolitan is out, a movie I have never heard of with a bunch of people I've never heard of. What's going on with Metropolitan? Uh, Metropolitan is, I mean, it's interesting. It's uh, Whit Stillman's first joint. He also did Last Days of Disco that we've talked about. And it's very similar. I mean, it's very small. It's very indie. He made it for like $200,000 by like selling his condo and maxing out credit cards. And I saw a really good description of it because I just thought, well, it's like rich people being stupid, like, or just snotty socialites and their meaningless problems. But then I read a review that compared it to like, it's modern Jane Austen. And I was like, oh, when I thought that, like, Okay, now that actually makes some more sense. There's, there's sort of a comedy of manners about rich socialites who are actually really, really stupid at like basic stuff, but all of their like interpersonal drama and snottiness. And yeah, it's yeah, it's well, weird. I, part of it is to, I mean, if you want to get that feeling of let's sharpen the guillotines, watch this movie because <laughs> yes. it is. Woo! It'll give you some real class feelings for oh, sure they, especially all, now there's all, all a bunch of extras from american psycho yeah just a bunch of <laughs> trust fund douchebags and and yes it's interesting that you brought that up about jane austen because jane austen is discussed throughout the entire movie she's brought up in almost like and her work is brought up in almost every scene every conversation that is had um mm-hmm. and and so that is interesting and i didn't really think about it that way i'm a little like uh, I mean, with Stillman, that's kind of his deal, right? Is like pretty yeah. rich white people talking about their rich white people problems. And yep. Eh. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's I an mean, interesting is, snapshot. Yeah. It's an interesting sa- snapshot. I There is like one, pretty much the only part that I remember mostly is these people sitting around like really well dressed, you know, gossiping about each other. But then there's one point where like they have to get somewhere and the realization none of them know how to drive a car. 
Yeah. I remember like, and oh, that is such an upper class New York thing. Ah, fuck you guys. They're going in and out of car rental, like companies basically trying to rent a car, which they can't even do because they're not old enough. And then like, and then when they finally do get a car, it's like they, nobody knows how to drive. So they just take a cab like upstate. But yeah, it's, um, <laughs> it's definitely a, a very interesting snapshot of a certain culture because the whole movie is like set over like, maybe the course of a month, which is debutante coming out ball season. So it's all, all of their, all of the scenes are basically the after parties for these debutante balls. So that's why everyone's dressed in tuxedo or whatever, but they're all lounging around some parlors because, and talking about like French socialists and a bunch of horse <laughs> shit like that. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. know. I can't Man. say I loved it, but it was interesting. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. It's like, I'm never going to be in the mood to pop this on, but it was interesting. All right. Yeah. Okay, that's kind of how I feel weirdly about the next movie, too, which is like, Ooh. it's polar opposite, but takes yes. place in the same place in the same city at the same time. Yeah. Wow. About yeah. very different people. Joy Lee, Robin Harris, Giancarlo Esposito, Wesley Snipes, Spike Lee, and Denzel Washington, and Mo Better Blues. I want a man who knows what he wants. I know what I want. My music. Everything else is secondary. What you and I do is not make love. <laughs> what would you call it, Dan? It's definitely not making love. You ever heard of the Mo Better? Mo what? Mo Better makes it Mo Better. What about Delvis? I like her too. I like women. You said it was a million and one shot. They wear the same dress in the same day and see each other. <laughs> like it or not, you're a dog. You're a good doggy. But you're a dog, nonetheless. <laughs> I, have, I have not oh. seen this. I a hundred percent recommend this movie. This is one. I of the, absolutely love this movie. Other than Spike Lee's latest movie and this movie, it's the one that I haven't seen. I tried to watch this after Do the Right Thing as a much younger kid, and like it didn't mm-hmm. do anything for me at all. Yeah, it's a grown-up movie not, for yeah. sure. It's it's a movie about grown-ups and relationships and ambition. I mean, that's. I can see, yeah, a twelve-year-old being like, "Oh, boy. so bored." I remember being so but. bored by it. the only thing I remember about it is in Living Color they were selling Spike Lee related <laughs> products and the Mo <laughs> Better Butter too. dispenser. Mo Better Butter. <laughs> Mo Better Butter dispenser comes That's, out. Of... I think of that every fucking time. I Thank see that you. Title. I'm glad I'm not alone. Mo Better Butter. Yeah. So I mean, Denzel's coming off an Oscar. Spike Lee's coming off to of do the right thing. Yeah. This is their first of four collaborations. Yeah, their first collaboration, but you know, Denzel isn't a solidified movie star just yet. He's like he's on a massive upswing, so this is an interesting yeah. time for both of them. Yeah. Yep. But so this makes oh, the ahead. third of those we've talked about. We mm-hmm. talked about Inside Man. We talked about He Got Game. Mm-hmm. Now Mo Better Blues. We got two years till Malcolm X. Oh goodness. Which, oh, I can't I don't want to wait. God damn it. We're also qualified. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, I love that movie. It's so goddamn good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you see I mean you see Spike Lee as a director definitely doing things that it's like he's starting out with some of these stylistic things here that you don't Mm -hmm. see as much of in his earlier stuff that you do see more of later on. Mm -hmm. Um, Just like floating weird. Yeah. The the floaty cam. I love the floaty cam. Um, Having two starting with cutting between two scenes of him, of Denzel Washington arguing with his two girlfriends until Mm -hmm. it becomes one scene of them both yelling at him. You know, just kind of compressing time and space in interesting ways. That is so uh, good. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I wish I, I wish I liked it more. I really liked it. I didn't love it because oh, it does sort of, it does sort of drag in I some ab- parts. 
I don't know. I absolutely loved it. I just felt like it was it. It felt like a salve, honestly, especially right now, because it is, you know, a big part of it is that Denzel Washington is this like plays this guy named Bleak, who is this fantastic trumpeter and plays in a jazz quartet and um, kind of has a rivalry with a saxophone player who's played by Wesley Snipes, who's also doing great work in this. And he's he's, so good in this. And it made me think like, what? I know. And they're so good together. It's like, I I guess they just both became such big stars that you can't have them both in one movie, but Mm. they're great together. That's the Hollywood rule. Mm -hmm. Um, But, and so they have a rivalry going on. He's also seeing two women at the same time, but throughout the whole thing, his first love is, music and playing the trumpet and there are so many good musical sing scenes and they're so like i don't know it just really felt it was it was a real salve of a movie and also if anyone wants to watch it but feels like i don't know i don't think i'm down for anything really heavy i can tell you that the ending leaves you feeling great absolutely Mm -hmm. so like don't worry about that going into it because i watched it and as we were coming up to the ending i was like oh god Please don't give me a gut punch, and it, it is, just like it leaves you feeling really, really good. It's very like, rare for a Spike Lee movie, right? Yeah. I know exactly. I was like bracing myself uh, as we were winding up the movie, um, but Denzel Washington like is kind of known now for the amount of work he put into learning how to act like he's playing the trumpet mm-hmm. to the point where he basically mm-hmm. learned how to play the trumpet. He was taught he was trained by a jazz musician named terrence blanchard who kind of started he was like brought in to compose some of the music and then he also was they once they figured out okay denzel washington's gonna be playing the trumpet in a lot of these scenes and we're not gonna be able to fake this so he was kind of brought in to be like okay well let's make it look like he actually knows what he's doing. And Denzel took it so seriously and that he actually ended up kind of learning how to play the trumpet mm-hmm. to the point where jazz musicians now can watch this film and you can see his fingers and they're like, yeah, that's right. He's doing the right, like, because, mo- I mean, we all look at a trumpet. And it's like, it's three, it's three little buttons. Like, how do they how learn how to do it? How you get this wrong? Course, there are all different types of ways, you know, that you, in combinations. And jazz musicians musicians who play trumpet are like yeah he's doing all the right fingering there like it's it's easy accurate and <laughs> i just found that to be so just so cool and i mean he like learned the music enough so well that when he was playing like during scenes if he would mess up he would like kind of freeze up a little bit and then he would get out of time with the music so, like, they would have to reshoot it because, like, as he was doing the fingering, if he knew he messed up, you know, you, you automatically, like, stutter a little bit and then he would be off time so they'd have to reshoot it. And so he had to, like, really learn it inside and out in order to give it that authenticity. So cool. I loved it. <laughs> it was just, like, it, yeah. it was really cool to watch it and made me really excited to start up my saxophone lessons again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you so can tell that. Cool wow. Not, not a good COVID instrument. <laughs> no, that's, yeah. I mean, you, you I was... Can- I had like two months of lessons and then we had to stop because you can't sit in a tiny room and blow hot air into each other's faces. <laughs> so Old bleeding I'm trying to start it up on Zoom again, maybe. Wow. Nice. Yeah, you can tell Denzel in particular seems really committed to the material. I think the only – like I wish – I, I kind of wonder if because of Do the Right Thing, Spike Lee just got told yes for everything. Because, like, there's some stuff you could trim out of this movie, and I think it would 
work a little bit better. Some of the stuff with his dad. You can probably trim that. Um, we need more scenes of Giancarlo Esposito, though. Clearly. Mm-hmm. Robin Harris, RIP. But Giancarlo Esposito is wearing... The first time you see him, he is wearing something I cannot describe. He's wearing, like, a bolero hat. Uh, I mean, like, a vest... And these pince-nez glasses, the glasses that just sit mm. on the top of your nose, mm-hmm. and they're connected by a chain to his earring. It's something I've never fucking seen. And I'm like, could we have a movie about this guy? He's like dating a girl who's French and he like barely speaks any French. Yes. So good. And he's like, she's a sister. And they're like, is she though? Is she? <laughs> like, you just don't like her because she's white. <laughs> like, we don't <laughs> like her because she's interrupting all the time. Because <laughs> she's rude. <laughs> yeah. Also, one of the love interests played that, you know, that's opposite of Denzel is Joie Lee, who is Spike Lee's sister, which mm-hmm. is like really interesting to think about him directing his sister in love scenes. That's got to yeah. be. And, and a little fun. bit weird because they look a lot alike. They do. <laughs> they really do. <laughs> And also, yeah, it's like Spike you can Lee's, see it. Spike Lee's father was involved with some of the orchestration too of the the um, the score. So it's a family affair. Yep. Yeah, and I uh, love and, this movie. And there's a cameo from Samuel L. Jackson back when he had hair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the shit out of some people, and it's rad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I like Spike Lee as an actor too. He he doesn't rub yeah. me as wrong as Quentin Tarantino does. No, yeah. Mean. As far as like popping up in your own film. Or no, I mean, he's a co-star, like, you know, yeah. acting in your own film. I mean, you should see the poster. Mm-hmm. He might as well be the star. <laughs> yeah. He's the only. Yeah, he's a, he was a bigger, what, would you say he was a bigger deal than Denzel right now? Maybe. In 1990? Yeah. Maybe. I can't remember when yeah, those. Yeah, so those, that would make sense. When those Jordan yeah, some... shoes commercials were out, he was like everywhere. Oh, yeah. it's probably about the same mm-hmm. time. Because, yeah, a bunch of the, the TV ads was just like. Spike Lee, he may do the right thing. He is the greatest filmmaker of his generation, and he's got all these awards. And oh, and he has a movie about, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's some guy named Denzel in it. Spike Lee. Like, okay, yeah. Jesus, calm down. Mm. <laughs> and, and in what should have been significantly bigger stars at this point, but what what happened? Balthazar Getty, Alan Ruck, James Coburn, William Peterson, Christian Slater, Lou Diamond Phillips, Kiefer Sutherland, and Emilio Estevez in Young Guns Two. <laughs> If there's one thing they're good at, what scum? It's being bad. Politicians, bankers, scout kings, scum. Quit napping on the job, Bob! Emilio Estevez, Kiefer Sutherland, Lou Diamond Phillips, Christian Slater, Balthazar Getty, Alan Ruck, James Coburn, and William Peterson as Pat Garrett. Young Guns 2. I'll make you famous. PG-13. That's the, that's the line. I, I remember like all the kids were saying around this, and I remember being pretty bored by this, this series. Um, Young Guns well, 2. I mean, the first Young Guns is fine you know as a sort of a, a fun western it's a it's a lighter western yeah, brad, and then, brad pack western it's brad pack western and then mm-hmm. they i mean that was a big hit and they decided to continue it but it's about billy the kid and guess where that story goes <laughs> yes <laughs> uh none of this story like every, every story of like woo wacky guy times in the old west they always end up uh bad yeah. real Real the bad. life expectancy was like 38 years old anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, this is <laughs> by the end of this movie, oh, poor Christian Slater's head is on a pike. I mean, yeah. it's, they they do keep it like lighter and they have some nice stuff between, you know, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid and like how they're friends. And then William Peterson is 
Pat Garrett, you know, becomes a lawman and, oh, but he's not going to go after his friend, is he? Oh, no, he is. And I, I love that the yeah. marketing says that, like, I know who that is because I don't. I, I don't know who <laughs> that's that for is. Your, that's for your dad to go, oh, shit. <laughs> My dad was not born in cowboy times. This is, these are just, like, <laughs> heroes that, like, uh, we no longer hold aloft anymore. And, yep. and no one would use in the marketing. It's just, it's just, I don't know. It's weird. I, I remember seeing this and like, I don't think I like Westerns and didn't watch one for a long time. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think I saw Young Guns too, and, and my friends were like, this is pretty good. And it, of course, you know what got me back into watching Young Guns. Same thing that got everybody back into watching Young Guns. Warren G and Nate Dogs regulate. <laughs> that, uh, that opening is a sample of Casey Sismisco 3D shades in uh, Back to the Future. Talking about being good regulators. We're damn good, mm. too. Uh, but yeah. he, I think he was killed in the first movie along with Emilio's brother, Charlie Sheen. Yeah. Not in this Yeah. Film. Yeah, it's, just, it's okay. Mm. You know, I was kind of pleasantly surprised by both these because I do love Westerns. And I thought, yeah, that they would suck, honestly. I thought they would just totally suck. And they're like, well, they're fine. They're like beginner training wheel baby Westerns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I watched Young Guns, the first one, when we when we first covered it. And then I kind of skipped this one just because I don't enjoy the Western genre, mm. mainly because right. everyone looks so dusty and dirty all the time. And that oh. makes me feel like I don't want to watch that. Chap lips. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So much chap lips. Oh, not a chapstick in sight. You should watch Good, the Bad, the Ugly now. Just tip your hat. Uh, more coning. That, that shit is still great, man. Oh, uh, so good. And uh, here's the movie I did give another viewing, and like I liked it a lot more than I thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Terrence McGovern, Lucy Taylor, uh, Christopher Lloyd in his first animated appearance. How about that? Rip Taylor <laughs> and Alan Young in DuckTales the Movie. Disney Movie Tunes presents the first big screen DuckTales motion picture ever. They're on a journey to the ancient pyramid of Kalibaba, looking for an incredible treasure that's been hidden for centuries. I finally found it! But finding the fortune is only the beginning. A breathtaking magic, heart-stopping adventure, and all-out Disney fun. That's easy for you to say. Only in theaters, it's DuckTales the Movie, Treasure of the Lost Lamb, rated G. Mm. I, right, not so I had theaters. to look into Disney movie tunes before yes, we did anything Disney, else. Disney movie tunes, I believe that was when John Lasseter took control of Disney, like threatened to shut them down because their purpose had been altered into because DuckTales the movie, Treasure of the Lost Lamp, was not a huge success at, at all. So they got mm. busted down to the burgeoning market of made for video stuff, as did all of their yep. productions. So Return of Jafar, I think, was their next film. That was supposed to have a theatrical release, but like this clearly isn't going to pass as a Disney animated feature. Let's just keep you guys in your wheelhouse. However, like Goofy Movie and DuckTales the Movie, uh, and even What's Up on a Christmas, I think those are great films, original films. I do not care for the Little Mermaid Cinderella sequels in this, in Lion King sequels in the slightest, but that's yeah. primarily what Movie Tune Studio would do before it was shut down. And I think it's Disney Tune Studio now. I think they petered mm. out with uh, those Tinkerbell movies. But, uh, mm. Yeah. 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 This is just, but trying to get more animation out there at a time when like you get like three films a year, it's interesting to think about. And, it, and it's a big DuckTales fan. Uh, it's awesome. It, it looks great. It's it's some of the it's some of the best animation you've ever seen in a Ducktales movie. From from an adult perspective, though, I am I, now that I know there are multiple studios in multiple countries involved. I'm like that scene looked amazing. This one looks terrible. <laughs> why had how did this get the green light to go on screen? And I, I made it a point to watch just because of the fascinating history of trying to get a copy of this. This movie 
was unavailable to civilians for a very long time. It was uh, uh-huh. an exclusive to the Disney Movie Club and the rewards program. So if you're Ooh. in the rewards program like me and you're redeeming your points from your movie tickets and your v- – your, at least from DVDs, I've been in this program. I am almost mm-hmm. ready to like buy a cruise – with all the Disney <laughs> points that I have, especially once they bought Marvel and Star Wars, uh, yeah, like uh, you had you had to redeem points to get this film on DVD, and I b- believe later on it was given to Walmart as some cheapo exclusive, and it was released overseas, but never got a huge release. And I'm not even sure. I think the there might have been a Blu-ray, but I have actually never seen it in widescreen. And Disney Plus is. The first time I've been able to do that. I missed this in theaters, and I bought the video. The video looks like an Indiana Jones movie, and even before Disney owned yeah. everything, it's like, you can't get mad, man. A lot of a lot of this stuff comes... A lot of this Indiana Jones stuff is from DuckTales uh, comics, Carl Barks comics. The Rolling Boulder is taken directly from Scrooge McDuck comics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. I can see the crossover and the adventure genre there. Uh, I did not get to rewatch this because I do not have Disney Plus, and what? but I remember seeing this in the theater with my little brother really? uh, when I was thirteen, and he was huh. six, and it was one of those where it's like, "Oh, Diana, take your brother; he wants to go see this movie." And I'm like, "Man," and then I like walked up like, "Holy shit, that was a lot of fun." Yeah, I. And I trust myself on that one at 13 because I was a big movie snob at 13 already. So. It, it was more fun than I thought it was. I'm not going to, ex- you know, not going to make a lot of excuses for Dijon, that character who gets a way too much screen time in this film. I believe he's from the show, uh, but it's it has it's a fun adventure. And in the middle, they find a genie. One of the biggest celebrities in this movie is Rip Taylor. Oh, Jabooey. And, uh, and and there's this I love in the backyard, there's this giant child wish granting sequence. And I love scenes of like child decadence, you know, like a kid wins the lottery or has mm-hmm. rich parents. There's a, it's beautiful. And it's something they may not have been able to pull off on a television budget. And then it going to the point where uh, Christopher Lloyd's evil wizard character steals the amulet and like transforms the entire world into a hellscape, which is like Whoa. pretty interesting for like a kid's movie. And again, That's like heavy. Like, I think not since 101 Dalmatians and the Rescuers had a Disney animated film taken place in the current day. So, like, doing that to the world you recognize and live in is a little weird for a Disney film. And huh. I think it's it's well worth watching. I remember when I was working on the DuckTales game, we sort of, like, bandied about uh, what's some stuff we could write for um, Alan Young to say as Scrooge in this video game <laughs> 24 years later. And it, it occurred to me that, like, you know, not a lot of there's it's not as easy to revisit the show pre Disney Plus, but the movie was very easy to obtain on VHS. And almost every line people submitted was from the film, not from the show. So I think it was sure. it was easier to watch and rewatch. So fans of DuckTales might solely be there because of the movie. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it, it, and the reviews weren't terrible for it either. Um, no, the reviews are real strong. Yeah, and it's it's sort of a bummer. It like bombs kind of big time. Like, uh, didn't even make in the theaters. Didn't make back half its budget. So where it's been like this ugh, locked away Disney freebie ever since. Yeah, well, that's a bummer because like when I think Disney, I don't think adventure movies, mm-hmm. and I think they they do that part real well of like we're gonna like we're solving history, we're rewrite history. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where it's like yeah, we got a clue and it goes to the thing, and then we will find this and we're finding this, and it's like. It's fun as mm. opposed to, I don't know, your usual Disney stuff where we're going to yeah, fall it's, it's in love. The first Disney movie with stuff. N- other than Black Cauldron with no songs. There, mm-hmm. there are no songs in it. 
and and that really hadn't happened before. And I, I think Movie Tune Studio they said was supposed to their job was kind of to make stuff out of the Disney afternoon, which you know I've talked about a lot, but I really can't impress how popular that was um, yeah. right before the Disney Renaissance. Like they were they reskinned a lot of Disneyland with Ducktales, Gummy Bears, and Rescue Rangers and mm-hmm. Darkwing yeah. Duck for a while, and all of that sort of got put on the back burner. I'm not sure how the Goofy movie escaped, but it's fucking excellent. I shouldn't have to tell mm-hmm. you that. We can't talk and about it for the five years. And the music is so good. Exactly. Power line. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, like DuckTales, if, you, if you're curious, it does not hurt, man. We'll give it another watch. And it's it's about like um, having rewatched a lot of the DuckTales show. That's very dated. It's very well done in parts, but you know, it's a little slow and not modern. This is much more approachable. So if you, huh. if you, have, if you have that scratch, like watch the movie. It's good. All the original voice cast and everything. Yay. Mm-hmm. And moving into television, speaking of Disney, JK, uh, Beauty and the Beast, f- the finale of the series, and I don't know why, I had not read about the third season until today. And yeah. holy Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, so this is a three-season show that started in 1987 starring Ron Perlman and Linda Hamilton, mm-hmm. which, by the way... When Ted Cruz is getting into a shit fight with Ron Perlman on Twitter, I really <laughs> wish instead of saying, listen, Hellboy, he would have said, listen, the beast listen from the be- movie, from the television series, Beauty and the Beast. I think yeah, why don't you go back to your sewers, you beast? I, yeah. You didn't see the last episode because he is finally declared the beauty and Linda Hamilton oh. was the beast. <laughs> I mean, aren't we all a little of each? <laughs> and, well, because Linda Hamilton didn't want to be on the show anymore and I didn't know the third season, like, let me go. And they killed her. <laughs> in the beginning oh, yeah. of the third season. So the well, be- the beauty is Linda, gone. Linda Hamilton got pregnant. Mm-hmm. So that was, mm. you know, part of that. And then also, apparently, the network wanted to attract more male viewers. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, I, I, but I, what I remember about this show, one TV household, I hated it. My mom loved it. Love oh, the yeah. show. It's a real mm. horny mom show. I mean, <laughs> well, I, I, and Linda Hamilton I, is just so attractive. Like, also, if we're going to talk about, but you know, I, I don't know. I I remember it being on, but I don't remember actually like ever sitting down and watching it. But definitely being very intrigued because I mean, I was like young child age at this point and having a crush on you know the sewer creatures from Robin Hood. Uh. It's not a big jump for me to also have a crush on Ron Perlman as the Beast and Beauty and the Beast. So you know, more people should have I a crush on Ron Perlman. It's stuck in my craw that way. And uh, and I didn't know they get Linda Hamilton off the show. I didn't know they even implied these characters ever had sex. But like the oh, the shortened, they super did. The shortened third season is finding their child who has been kidnapped by the big bad. So like, mm-hmm. there's only like 50 episodes of this. Yes, this is where George Double R Martin got up. Got to start writing. Are you talking about George Ray Ray Martin? I am talking about George Ray Ray Martin. Yes, forever book not finisher, but uh, yeah, he helped wrap up the show as a producer. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I just say that because there's a lot of rapes in his books. Not that he's a rape. Yeah, I, who knows? But probably not. But anyways, I'm not. I, I dare say, I'm having having read those books, there is like a hilarious amount of rape in it. Like just needlessly, and like, mm. and Rob had conquered everyone. They enjoyed wine. While people were raped behind them, they ate <laughs> some cake. While more people were raped, like why describe all this to me? I get why? it. They won the battle. Why are you gonna do that? <laughs> yeah, 
kind of why I stopped the reading the books. I was like, I got my fill on reading rapes for like the next decade. So I'm good. Yeah. I, I understand that he's, you know, demystifying all this chivalric Middle Ages stuff mm-hmm. that they would actually suck and you wouldn't want to live there. But look, I'm a woman. I kind of assume. Yeah. Any other period of time. Getting back to Beauty and the Beast, there is, there are, it's like a cult. Uh, fandom, really. I mean, there are still people that are huge fans of it. They call themselves helpers or the tunnel community. And they still (laughs) like go, they still have fan conventions. And they also were part of the reason that the third season actually even happened because they did a whole petition campaign. So Mm. yeah, there are some real true fans out there for this show. Right. And, uh, well, if you don't like Beauty and the Beast, then the, the next night you can enjoy some Marissa Tomei and Jeff Fahey in the original TV movie, Parker Kane. <laughs> An NBC world premiere movie. All the action of Die Harder. Ah, look what I got! All the thrills of Lethal Weapon. I'm taking you down, buddy boy. From Joel Silver, the producer of Die Harder and Lethal Weapon, comes a new hero. I'm not a violent person. A summer blockbuster coming to your television first. The world premiere of Parker Kane, Sunday. Oh, we're mm. so lucky, Parker King. I mean, uh, this is so a, bombastic. I don't know if I've, I've ever heard. This of, is a failed pilot. If totally. I've ever heard of one. It absolutely, a hundred percent is totally. But just the idea, I no one ever refers to Die Hard Two as Die Harder. And yeah, this, this I was guy like, did twice. Am I missing something here? Is there? Is what is this? It's the yeah, official that subtitle, is, but like Die Hard Two is enough. Even even most people, Die Hard Three is Die Hard Three or with a vengeance. They don't say the whole thing. You don't have to do that, buddy. <laughs> Parker Kane. Yeah, this looks back to our pilot Leah shit. And mm-hmm. you can tell every <laughs> every second of those 20 we just played, like that's the most those are the most expensive shots uh in yeah. the entire oh, production. Yeah. Oh, but I am looking at this cast though, and it's one of those where it's like you go way to the bottom of the cast list and you go, wait, what? Because all right, we got uh yeah, Fahey. Fahey's been around, he's mm-hmm. done plenty of stuff. Marissa Tomei, uh, I guess she's on a different world at this point. She's mm-hmm. still Come up, or she even joined a different world, or did she leave? I forget. <laughs> Whatever. But we also have David Caruso, Stellan Skarsgård, and Patty LaBelle are in there. Patty LaBelle. <laughs> yes! yes. I wow. want to see Patty LaBelle and Stellan Skarsgård in a scene. Yeah. And I want it directed by Lars von yeah. Trier. Yeah, it looks like and I, I want to cry and throw up at the same time. It looks like we just got saved by LaBelle. Yeah! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> 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 yes so beautiful oh my god um <laughs> I'm a, wow. uh, and uh this sounds like light fair bring the kids in um <laughs> pat marita judd nelson and max foncito in hiroshima out of ashes yeah um this this actually looks like it looks really good. Like when I was looking it up to find a promo, I, I couldn't really find a promo that was like extremely, you know, um, descriptive. I mean, we know what this is about. It's mm-hmm. about Hiroshima mm-hmm. and, and, you know, the aftermath of the bomb and, yep. you Coming know, on how its 45th anniversary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it actually looks really good. Like it, it looks very well made. It was nominated for two Emmy awards. Uh, so, you know, this, this definitely is a sharp contrast to Parker Kane. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like to refer to it as America's other original sin. Oh. <laughs> we uh, had a couple. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a big one. Yeah. Uh, get, in get in line. Get in line. All right. <laughs> uh, moving briefly into video games of 1990, the uh, 31st of July through the 6th. 
Uh, Patreon.com slash laser time is where I dig up even the stuff I can't find at a glance here. But I've also had a ton of fun talking about old arcade games. And there's no cooler arcade game released during this period than Pit Fighter. Street Fighter 2 is not out yet. And this is pretty much, in my mind, the precursor to that. It, uh, I loved mm. Pit Fighter, uh, to a one-on-one fighting game. But it was the setting was like a bunch of bar drunks cheering people on behind in like a single <laughs> level, and it yeah it was it was it was violent man it was it was cool it was something you definitely couldn't see on consoles so tip yeah. of the hat you to know Pit what, Fighter you know what game I call Pit Fighter what E T for the Atari twenty six hundred oh come on that's a good reference <laughs> <laughs> I should have made that one <laughs> that's a good one <laughs> moving into music of. Uh, 1990, 31st of July through the 6th. We got some new releases. Master Aces, take a, Master Aces, take a look around. Uh, Unled in by Dread Zeppelin. What the fuck is oh. that? Dread Zeppelin and, and Belly Button by Jellyfish. Or Dread Zeppelin is a Zeppelin cover band that do very strange things. Like sometimes they'll like mix it up. Their cover of Black Dog has a bit of reggae, but the singer's doing an Elvis impression. Okay. Oh, that's fun. I like that stuff. Yeah, it's fun. Um, and but we'll cl- take you out of 1990. What a decade! With uh, oh no no, Vision of Love by Mariah Carey is number one. We'll take you out with Blaze of Glory by uh, John Bon Jovi uh, from Young Guns Two. That's in- Academy Award nominee John Bon Jovi <laughs> for this song. I have to throw that out. Now this is going to hit number one later in September, but mm-hmm. I don't care. I will play it twice because I fucking love this song. Oh. Okay. I don't care. I am super cheesy. Whatever. I'm New Jersey adjacent. I get it. Mm-hmm. I love this song. Yeah, I believe this is uh, his first solo work, which is why it's not attributed right. to Bon Jovi. And they titled the album that this is off a of blaze of glory of uh, something, mm-hmm. something young guns Two. I think that's an alternate title for his solo album is it has yeah. the word young guns Two in the title. Yeah. And again, not even the most famous song to come out of young guns regulators. Motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> Good point. Regulator. Oh, that's a really tough call. Which yeah. one I like better? Because I do like Regulator. Because they wanted it was Wanted Dead or Alive. Is that from from Young no. Guns One? Okay. Nope. No. Nope. That's that's unrelated. Okay. So he just like another Western related John Bon Jovi song. Yeah, or, apparently or that's, Bon Jovi. Song. Emilio Estevez asked for that song and he said no and gave him this one. Probably so he could yep. not pay his band. Uh, <laughs> 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 we'll close out with Blaze of Glory when we see you again, baby. We will be in two thousand. Stay right there. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. I, we're, we're recording this on a Lazy Sunday, and the perfect Lazy Sunday reading just hit me. Have you been seeing that Giga Leak, the Nintendo Giga Leak? Like, there's a lot of shit confirmed. Like, is Mario actually punching Yoshi to get him to open his mouth? Ooh. According to the beta versions, that you can see him rear back, and it has hit lines when he hits Yoshi's head. Because so I think Nintendo's yeah. sort of been like, no, that's not what's happening. Like, 
Yes, it is. It always has been. Well, very is important. This something that people are upset about. Well, it's it's incredibly unethical because it, it, it is literally stolen. It's not. This is the Gigaly because the hundred gigabytes focusing on the Super Nintendo and the N sixty four, and we're just seeing all this media that we've never seen before, and even grosser. They archived internal company emails, which it was the 90s, and it's not good. And oh, boy. It's, it's good. And, and an internal Argonauts email about, hey, maybe we shouldn't distribute porn in the office that Nintendo owns. Like, <laughs> why, rude? <laughs> what? This is not something. They weren't in trouble for this. This is just how people talked back then, and now all of a sudden their career could be in jeopardy over this yeah. thing that was never meant to see the light of day. I don't know. Godspeed to you people. I'm sure some of my emails come off pretty bad at this point. Uh, not a lot of not a lot of weird language. No, there was one time. I forget how I phrased it. I should look that up because uh, everyone thought it was pretty funny. And imagine one day you're just being a male in your mid twenties on an early internet on a website just to waste time with video of people doing adult things, and you're scrolling through, and then you find a video of yourself. And all of your workmates. Oh. So I had to make a decision like, guys, our video got stolen by this porn site I frequent. Can I send a mass company email? Oh, man. And I did. And I did. And and, and even like 15 years ago, it didn't set off any red flags and most people found it funny. I remember I think Elson highlighted like, wow, we're trending number two right underneath secretary turns fucking into an art form. Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. This is the story of a girl who cried a river and drowned the whole world. And while she looks so sad in photographs, I absolutely love her when she God, uh, coming in, I had no idea. This song is called Absolutely Parenthetical Story of a Girl by... by I made it three notes before you started screaming. That was great. Uh, I mean, this ranks up with somebody and also Airspin as, like, the, like, (laughs) most recognizable opening, like part of a song basically first that makes you immediately that you... want to turn it off but, just, but also like the, this by nine days a band i'm hearing about for the first time having heard this song a thousand billion million trillion times but i guess good on you for it just seems like a sad boy at a party trying to get laid and he this these these guys made a chart topping hit out of it good for you this song is stupid <laughs> it's the worst I, I hate this song. i hate it so much good so so much yeah, I was going down the charts to say, all right, what's the first thing that we hit that doesn't make it to number one? So I can just pl- stick it in here and, yeah, just made it to number six. You both you like, both promise not to fall for a guy like this at a party singing a song like this again. You promise me? I don't want to say Not that. again. Okay. No. <laughs> I learned that lesson as a teenager. I, I never go for the sensitive I was going to say, Michael, I had no idea. No. no, 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 no. Michael's like, check out this Final Fantasy remix I made. <laughs> I also made a demonic bear that I thought you might like. And, and I'm like, and here are my breasts. <laughs> <laughs> Take them all. <laughs> uh, uh, welcome to 2000, everyone. That's what that song means. July 31st through August 6th. A little bit of uh, more new releases in, in the field of music for you. Ronan Keating's Ronan. Uh, the Big Picture by Big L. The self-titled debut. 
What? Self-titled, self-titled by Rancid, right. Not That's a debut. N- yeah. yeah, not a debut. Uh, Vavoom by the Brian, Sexer or- Brian Setzer Orchestra. Ooh. Uh, f- Fragments of Freedom by Morchiba and Until Ink Runs Out by 18 Visions. It's Gonna Be May by NSYNC is still number one and will be for a while. Gonna be May. Ooh, we got a big, long 2000 list here for a little bit of news. On the 3rd of August, the Republican National Event Convention occurs. George W. Bush will accept your Republican nomination. Uh, names, Mr. <laughs> names Mr. Potter from It's a Wonderful Life as his VP nominee. I think Diana wrote this. And never apologizes yeah. for dirty tricks in the primaries against John McCain, who called him a, a coward. And, um, yeah, uh, convention speakers include The Rock, Bo Derek, Rick Schroeder, Bruce Willis, and Ben Stein. Did people forget that The Rock spoke at the, uh, at the National do Convention? Do we need to cancel The Rock? I mean, no. we all know this. If, you, if you're still involved in wrestling and sub- involved with Vince McMahon, you are a hardline Republican. That's fair. Look, look, we're coming off of the Clinton years, you know. Mm. Things are different. Republicans are different. I do like to compare who the con- convention speakers are to the kind of people they can get now. Well, I, mean, only- I don't think I don't think they could get Bruce Willis now. I, I think mm. Rick Schroeder is the only one who would make another appearance. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the last like celebrity that spoke at our RNC will be talking about in one of the movies coming up in the movie section. Honestly, oh, as a Kid Rock, Ooh. Uh, <laughs> uh, John Voight. Right. It's probably John Voight. Wow, I hope he's barely there. I always uh, forget about him. And uh, 2,000 movies. And for me, none of these get better than the one we have listed first. I believe mm-hmm. you can watch it free on YouTube. I hate biopics, except this one. Except ones about, <laughs> except ones about career criminals. Chopper, starring Eric Bana mm. and Simon Linden to a much lesser extent. Eric Bana, this is, I think, how he attracted Hollywood's attention by playing mm-hmm. a very yeah. real criminal uh, who goes in and out of the Australian prison system. It is... Technically, a Republican fantasy. If you start, if we want to start like <laughs> modeling our, our 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 rehabilitation techniques off of foreign prisons, like this guy just goes in and out and in and out and murder, murder, steal, steal. But as a fascinating dude, cuts off his own ear, and it's one of the coolest performances I've ever seen from Eric Bana. It is yeah. chilling. It's it, it's funny, and then it's not, and then it's funny again. I love this film. And is this full frontal mm-hmm. nudity? We got full frontal nudity in here. Uh, I believe so. Yeah. And uh, it's the first film by Andrew Dominic, who also did Killing Them Softly and Assassination of Jeffrey James by yeah. Carol Robert Ford. This this movie yeah. is great. I think some of the special features that were on the DVD, like with the actual chopper just hanging around Eric Bana, I don't think that would shine very well on you in 2020. I'm friends with this guy. He's the best. But, uh, but sort of like we just talked about the death of the Western, but in terms of like um, uh, public capturing criminal element that's who chopper was uh i don't have his real name off the top of my head but like the public kind of loved this guy and his is most of his shit wasn't it wasn't always super violent some of it was just petty theft uh mm-hmm. but it, watch watch this movie it is so uncomfortable this guy who can walk walk into any scene and make everybody do whatever he says with with the threat of violence without actually threatening them them it's it's hmm. it's it's Ooh. chilling it's wonderful uh he, he but he's just truly like a deranged person uh who comes off as yeah. very serious and silly and can talk his way into kind of anything and out of yeah. anything I, I would time. say i would say this would make a double uh, a good double feature with bronson fuck yes but 
watching those back to back will probably cause you to become an actual criminal. Like <laughs> that'll do it. You will. You, uh, congratulations. You are now a convicted felon. You watch those movies back to back. I, I, I love this film and I've, I've seen it a number yeah. of times. Um, yeah. Same this can be said about the next movie. I think this might have been <laughs> the most covered movie from Maxim Magazine this year. Oof, oof, uh, oof. Uh, John Goodman, Tyra Banks, Melanie Linsky, Maria Bello, Andy, Adam Garcia, and Piper Perabu. And the last time I'll see her name personally after Rocky and Bullwinkle, Coyote Ugly. Coyote Ugly. Why would you name your bar that? Because Cheers was taken. <laughs> Mildly sexy bartenders <laughs> rule uh, the day mm-hmm. in Coyote this Ugly. Movie is hot garbage. I, I, I feel like this should have come about like if any executive at the table knew about internet porn, like this is really going to eat into whatever this is. Because <laughs> all, all we are is like in a, in a more classic Hollywood way, the story of a ragtag bar where the waitresses dance for booze. You know, that could be really sexy and something like scandalous that young people of any stripe would seek out. Here, I just, I remember people wanting it to be that, but it's so PG and, like, mm-hmm. toothless. Not not in terms of just, like, sexuality, just in terms of, like, the genericness of the story. How this got to be nominally a movie, it, it's, it's a franchise, honestly. This is so fucking weird. Mm-hmm. So, here's what happened. Uh, this is a bar in New York where, yeah, the ladies uh, are rowdy and sexy and stuff. And um, it became well known because a former bartender wrote about uh, about her experience for GQ. Her name's Elizabeth Gilbert. She wrote what? another book called Eat, Pray, Love. That we'll we'll be talking about the film adaptation what? of next that. week. Oh, yeah. You are blowing so, my mind. Bar to magazine to Jerry Bruckheimer decides, let's make a movie about that magazine article, which has worked in the past. I mean, Saturday Night Fever. That's totally what happened there, too. And uh, then the the bar became, you know, very famous and they franchise. Like there's one in Vegas. There's one in Koblenz, Germany, uh, St. Petersburg. And then that became a reality show on CMT for three seasons. What? The ultimate coyote ugly search where they try to find sexy job ladies be good at being sexy and bartending. Oh, my God. It's so dumb. This movie is so dumb. It's so stupid, y'all. It's so bad. And, like, look, I know that there's a certain population of people who were at the right age and saw this at, like, a bunch of sleepovers and parties or whatever, and that Mm -hmm. it's close to their heart because of that. And, guys, y'all, I totally get it. I have trash movies like that. But this movie's really bad. Like, it is painful bad. It is so stupid. But it's the kind of... It's the kind of movie that it's like I find kind of hilarious, like as a, a killjoy feminist, because it really thinks that it's like, yeah, girl power. Mm-hmm. But it's like girl power is only for women who are attractive to men who like have the luxury of saying no to men who are all up in their business all the time. It's like, yeah, I can wear whatever I want as long as it happens to look really sexy for men. And you tip me. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, you it- give me money. It's only female empowerment within the male gaze. Yes. So it's it's meaningless, gaze. basically. Uh, yeah. I was shocked to find out Kevin Smith did a rewrite on this. 
And mm-hmm. and he's I I found a archive thing on his website. He's like, no, not the scene you think. I didn't write anything about Spider Man that is in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but I did I did change the name of the characters and turned an old country Italian into John Goodman. And I? <laughs> those were my contributions. I mean, yeah, I this movie. I just saw Melanie Linsky, and I was like, girl. What are you doing? I love mm-hmm. Melanie Linsky so much. And like, you know, you got to take whatever job you can when you're starting out. But girl. Yeah, it's so. So, I mean, the, the plot such as it is, is that Piper Parabo is like a small town girl from New Jersey and moves to the big city to become a singer songwriter. And, oh, the only job she can get is at this crazy bar where things are crazy. They're always dancing on the bar. That's like the takeaway from this. You still see that as a reference every now and then of like people line dancing on a bar. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This movie is like reference because people kind of automatically know what it is, whether they saw it or not. But I remember in this, the summer of 2000, it was talked about like its release would crater the planet. There's no <laughs> way that boys are going to stay away from this movie. And, it, you know, it's just, it's a kind of middling service. But like, it's it, the next movie I could tell you the name of and I'd have to like explain to you. What the the story is, but Coyote Ugly is still at least immediately recognizable. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely a pop culture punchline in a lot of ways, and yeah, a bastion of pop culture in a certain in a certain way. But yeah. I mean, like, it's the the thing I think that's so upsetting to me about it is that it's not even camp. It's just yeah, bad. it needs more camp. Yeah, if, I want if, more if, camp. If, if we're gonna make it like a showgirls, a burlesque, like, yes. give me more camp. But instead, it's just, and, and that's how you know that I'm just making a wild guess here. Like, really, no women or gay men were really involved with like <laughs> styling or writing any of this. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong, but this is squarely squarely within the male gaze, and mm-mm-mm. not a fan. Yeah. Mm. Yep, it needs less male gaze and more male gaze. Word. <laughs> <laughs> well, speak- uh, burlesque. That is exactly what this needs to be. It needed mm-hmm. to be burlesque. Yeah, they're, they're mm-hmm. looking at it now, it's like, like what? Probably like what did what did uh, what are your one of your favorite movies, Diana? What did uh, uh, Magic Mike XL <laughs> get right that Coyote could learn? Coyote Ugly could have learned from because mm. it, it's almost essentially mm. the same thing like we are we are dishes we are snacks but uh yeah how can we make ourselves seem more realistic and relatable i mm. i would also ask mm. what did cocktail do right that mm. this did wrong yeah because cocktail is better than this and cocktails not that good yep <laughs> you know in researching I, I i saw tom i didn't know tom cruise did a cameo in young guns and he, can, he, gets, he gets killed very fast, but you can totally see him uh, really? in a giant mustache. Yeah, he was because he was still buddies with all those guys oh, from uh, okay. from what you call it from the outsiders. Probably the outsiders. Yeah. yeah. And uh, nice. <laughs> oh my you, god, this you, next you, movie you want to talk <laughs> you want to talk no gays? Uh, I can't imagine any, you talk about anywhere near this production. This Arma is geezer. Yeah, this, <laughs> our Armageezer. Oh my God! Retirement <laughs> Avengers: James Cromwell, William Devane, Marcia Gay Harden, James Garner, Donald Sutherland, Tommy Lee Jones, and Clint Eastwood. I'm surprised more people in this film aren't dead. Space Cowboys. I can't fill up a space shuttle with geriatrics. Clock's ticking, Bob, and I'm only getting older. NASA wants to send us into space. <laughs> I told them I'd only do it if the original team did the job. <laughs> we'll need to pray about this. Why the hell not? You and your entire crew will have to meet the exact physical requirements as any other astronaut here. Go! These men are the pioneers of this business. Oh, damn, Keith. 
Damn, Jerry. That's so gross. Donald Sutherland <laughs> sticking his dentures out. Oh, this movie is <laughs> wild. It, uh, and also so boring. <laughs> Space Cowboys, everyone. Space Speaking Cowboys. Things that are inspired by dumb things. This is inspired by John Glenn returning to space uh, mm-hmm. like a year or two earlier. And they thought, yeah, what if we made a movie about old guys going to space? <laughs> old people used to be able to carry a movie going back to space. Uh, it, yeah. yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like this is a big week for William De- William Devane, by the way, because he also has a pretty big role in Hollow Man, and he's definitely yeah. one of those hey, it's that guys that you see in a bunch of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And I, re- I actually really like him every time he pops up because he always plays like kind of a smarmy dude that you know. But yeah, this movie is so like just. I don't even know how to explain it. To be honest, I, I I found it like it's 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 trying it's not trying hard at anything, and not the effects or the story or the quippage or anything like that because it doesn't really have to. It's putting a bunch of old people on and like this doesn't hit number one this week, but I think it might next week or it hovers in like the top three for the rest of the summer. Like yeah, it, it orbits number one. Yeah, it it, it orbits the top five like the whole time. And I, I again, it's not for us. It wasn't for us twenty years ago, and it's not for us now. It doesn't well, I try. Mean, it's it for doesn't me, try very hard. Like... <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it, you're right that it doesn't try hard at anything except for trying to make these old dudes really sexy. Mm. Like, oh I don't there's a whole part. scene with Clint Eastwood seducing his wife on top of a washing machine that I was like. <laughs> Did what? not know how to feel about to be honest. When is the studio get, Warner Brothers going to just talk to Clint like, leave your shirt on, man? I don't want to. I don't want to see your sad, lazy titty. Oh, like, you get to see all their butts. Oh wow! They have mm-hmm. to go through astronaut physicals. Wow! I, I, my, my condolences to the makeup people on set that day. That you know, <laughs> must have been a whole lot of fun. Oh goodness. Uh, all yeah. of all of their car seats are leather. This is the worst. <laughs> Yeah, look, I I love old folks, and mm-hmm. I love all four of these actors. You know, I really do. Plus, yeah, William Devane and Marcia Gay Harden, James Cromwell, and um, oh, John Hamm, very first. Oh yes, very right. first screen appearance of John Hamm as yes. young pilot number two. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the idea is these guys were like Mercury astronauts back in the day, or they were in like an early Apollo program or something. And like, they didn't get their chance to go to space. They sent monkeys instead and they're mad. And then now there's some like ancient Soviet era satellite. And they're like, these are the only guys that can fix it. Let's trade them and try to send them up. So yeah, I'm a geezer. You're right. That's, that's, that's the, the, guy, the guys who can't work a DVD player are supposed to go up there and fix space. <laughs> Right. right, so there's a, lo- a lot of wackiness of like them having to do all the different training stuff, and now uh, they got to run, and they got to be in the cyclotron, and they got to do all. You know, they let stuff. women in NASA now. Oh. Yeah, that's <laughs> wack. But uh, what bugs me the most is how it gets a lot of space stuff wrong. <laughs> yes, astronomers hate this fucking movie. I found a write up by an astronomer about how fucking wrong it gets a lot of stuff. No, if you get halfway to the moon, its gravitational pull will not pull you in because the moon is a lot smaller than Earth. You have to get a lot closer. Unbe- ah! un- <sighs> and it's, it's, it, I remember like see like God when you would like find out about movies and fucking newspapers and like space cowboys. I see no description or cast. This should be good. And then I see this description. I'm like, another week with no movies for me. I'm just kidding. Not for me. 
Because I, I was back I was, to Coyote Ugly for old Chrissy. <laughs> I, I was there day one for the, uh, Paul Verhoeven's follow up to Starship Troopers, Ooh. and uh, I was a little little disappointed, but it's still. Kind of fascinating, and but just uncomfortable for the wrong reasons. Greg, mm. Greg Grunberg, Kim Dickens, Josh Brolin, Elizabeth Shue, Kevin Bacon in Hollow Man. What you can see may frighten you. Oh! But on August 4th... Sebastian, are you in here? You have no idea how much fun this is. What you can see will terrify you. It's amazing what you can do when you don't have to look at yourself in the mirror anymore. Hollow Man. Mm. Uh, oh, brother. Here, okay. I don't. I don't hate it, and I do because, like, um, if you never heard me talk around Halloween, one of my favorite unsung Universal monster movies is Invisible Man because, like, mm. Claude yeah. Rains is a screaming asshole, and it's the only Universal monster. <laughs> That turns himself into the monster and becomes even worse as he goes. And just yep. it's a, a raw prick through the whole thing. It's one of the only constants that the Invisible Man in every Invisible Man movie is an asshole. And Sarah shamed me for this somewhere. I just watched the new Invisible Man in uh-huh. the COVID ravaged world. That is the best movie of 2020. That movie fucking Girl, rules. I've yes. been telling you. That movie it's is so great. Good. I, I did the same thing after watching yeah. Hollow Man. I was like, I've heard Invisible Man uh, with Elizabeth Moss is really good. Let's compare. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. That is so good. Yeah. Head and shoulders above. And I've been been recording for a long time. I'm not the most woke person in the world. And like the, uh, the, the, the the sex as in gender, the the sex based terror of the modern Invisible Man is palpable throughout. And I just remember being like very uncomfortable in 2000. Like, did our main character just use his powers to rape somebody? Dude, yes, yes, yes. That's like yes, he all did. he does with it. Like, like no, it, no, you're right. In just like the Claude Rains Invisible Man, Kevin mm-hmm. Bacon is an asshole before he becomes invisible, and mm-hmm. becoming invisible just makes him way more of an asshole. Mm-hmm. But his assholishness is 100 percent sexual assault. Yeah. Yes. He just repeatedly sexually assaults people. It's his That's goal. The only he can think of to do when you're invisible right go rob a bank bitch right. oh wait, wait wait don't forget he also kills a dog yeah. yes boo so there's that <laughs> and like you can still watch the invisible man because like you know at most he like strangles somebody but like in like a very stagey way and like it's verhoven being verhoven wanting i think wanting to put his spin on the invisible man without making an invisible man movie because i grew up with you know, John Carpenter's memoirs of Invisible Man. What a friendly character Chevy Chase is. But this is deeply uncomfortable, as as are most of his movies, but in ways that are difficult to appreciate. In, in that, I don't know, I don't know where I stand on the effects of this movie. It is still, the effects are still pretty cool. And, and Lord of the Rings is a year off. This is mocap in its infancy. Just kind of stunning. Uh, yeah. Well thought out CG effects, like just putting Kevin Bacon in mocap Great. equipment. And if you see the behind the scenes, why I would recommend not watching the movie and watch the behind the scenes features because there's, mm. there's a couple of like I do love that when he injects himself, his skin slowly disappears mm-hmm. as he's writhing, and then his musculature, and then his skeleton, mm. and uh, it looks a little. Some of that looks a little silly, but the mocap is great, and apparently he's like on screen during most of the performance. He, he just <laughs> they take him out, but as yeah. a reference to he what would have to be. I mean, some of the stuff, like, I, I can't imagine he was there for, like, some of those water sequences. There's a lot of really interesting water sequences. And, yeah. Mm. And, yeah. 
it, I mean, it's really the whole movie is really sold on the effects. This this was like the trailer mm-hmm. with the most talking in it. Usually, it was just pictures of the cool ass effects, and sometimes mm-hmm. they are really cool, and sometimes they are really dated. Mm-hmm. Like even though Kevin Bacon is doing mocap so much of the time, uh, sometimes when he's moving around, there's like no weight to his figure. Yeah, and that's like the number one thing of like bad CGI is mm-hmm. when something moves. Less like a person and more like a puppet, you yep. know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so there's yeah. some of that, but I mean, the thing with the invisible gorilla suddenly becoming visible, like that some cool. of that stuff was really cool. Though, why, if you're gonna make an animal invisible, why the fuck would you do a gorilla? Seriously, Ugh. why would you do something that can murder? Start with a sugar glider so <laughs> easily. Like, okay, it's close to human, but chimpanzees are closer to human and they're a little bit smaller. Yeah, I mean, oh. they can still murder the shit out of you, but. A gorilla. Bad idea. Bad Kevin Bacon. But Elizabeth, the, the one part I do really love, though, is Elizabeth Shue. She goes Sarah Connor at the end of this. Yeah. I want to see action movies with Elizabeth Shue in them. Me too. Where is Elizabeth Shue? I love her. Uh, the Boys. Yeah, she was on The Boys. And she oh, was really she's creepy. Coming. Uh, she's she's one of the best villains I've ever seen. Like, and has no powers, but all the power over everybody with powers. It's fucking awesome. Please watch yeah. The Boys. It's one of my favorite shows of last year. Coming back soon. Yeah, coming back soon. But yeah, the point where she is just fucking had it with this bullshit is so great. Mm-hmm. I was just, oh, you think you're a god? I'll show you fucking god. I'm like, yes, I want to see this movie all the time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, like when we when you. Antisa, you were talking before about like how Problem Child is like such a mean movie. Yeah. This, I think, is a way meaner movie. It's cruel. Like, this movie is cruel mm-hmm. and it kind of does like punish the audience in a lot of ways. There's not really too many people to root for, which, you know, is, you know, mm-hmm. even our hero, Elizabeth Shue and Josh Brolin are kind of like our heroes and yet they're also complicit in a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's really no hero. And then, I mean, the sexual assault in this movie is just I, 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 I think, just don't understand why it had to go to that I place. I think it would like, require a different disclaimer where it's to run on HBO than it did 20 years ago. Like, I mean, there's a scene where he is invisible and sexually assaults his coworker by grabbing her breast in a way that is so explicit. Like, <laughs> I was shocked when I saw yeah. that. Like, I can't believe that played in, a, in like, just a movie theater anyone could buy a ticket to, honestly, because the way that he grabs her breast is, like, it, it's it's pretty crazy. Yeah. I don't know. I find it bizarre and, that, like, w- everything about this, like, there was a $50 million VFX budget around this? The, a studio's <laughs> like, this will surely bring them in. Really please the crowd. Yeah. Because it's like, it's. I've seen it a couple times, and it's it's a satisfying film, but it's not a fucking crowd pleaser. And, and to be a $100 million movie during the summer, like, wow. And, and I'm only saying that because I was trying to look back on the trajectory. Paul Verhoeven, in my opinion, made three perfect films. And a lot of people have been talking about Starship Troopers lately for just like the perfect portrayal of fascism, um, mm. <laughs> which you should. It's one of my favorites, Total Recall and, and RoboCop. And you can see his spin on what's essentially a monster movie, but it's deeply uncomfortable. And this is kind of the last movie he makes of this variety. The, every movie he makes after this is much, 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 much smaller and personal. Mm. It is not a studio film. But I don't know, for a guy who made three perfect films, Sort of Hollow Man, sort of like the beginning of the end. The beginning of the end of the movie, that I, movies I'd end up seeing of his, and it bums me out. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely 
not a recommend. I would say watch Invisible Man instead because it is very good and a very fun thriller. And it does get into the uh, kind of gender-based, sexual-based terror that comes along with the idea of an invisible person without slapping you in the face. No, they they label him as an abuser and kind of leave it at that and just Mm -hmm. like... I know what she's fighting against. I don't need to see him do it repeatedly. Yeah. <laughs> well, and yeah, I also I think, think it's that... about something. Yeah. I don't know what this is about, except it run wild, I guess. <laughs> but well, the Invisible Man uh, 2020 is clearly about stalking and relationship violence. Like, it, it's a metaphor. It's all a metaphor. Well, I feel like it also shows a stark difference, which is, I think, a good thing between how we viewed how society viewed the idea of a cruel genius Mm -hmm. from, you know, 2000 to now, like part of the whole deal with Kevin Bacon as the scientist is that everyone put up with his assholery because he was so brilliant and such a genius Mm -hmm. and he was a jerk to everyone and and nobody liked (laughs) him and she broke up with him for a reason and da da da. But they all kind of put up with him. They were all kind of like, Oh, you, that's just him being a jerk. You know how he is. Price should pay for greatness. That's not really a archetype of a man well, that we really are cool with you're, anymore, you're saying that you're saying that 20 years for. before uh we had to watch jeff bezos and mark zuckerberg testify before congress and i was like jesus christ this is so mm. i cannot believe you guys are heads of companies i wonder you don't speak a lot <laughs> <laughs> you fucking sociopaths um yeah. maybe, maybe that's the overall point maybe that's the political point that verhoven is making because he usually has some sort of political point just mm. don't put up with that don't put up with the uh, geniuses who are abusive yeah, maybe that, this, I mean this could what be what happens next. Yeah, I was looking for the political point because you're right, Verhoeven has one usually, and I found it lacking. I think it's yeah. an accidental point, honestly, because he could have done a much better. Let's job Let's remember his hammering his, that home. The last movie he had with this many female characters was Showgirls. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord! Yeah. Yeah. Don't get me started. Um, I will talk for hours oh, about Showgirls. This I wanted to talk about a lot as we move into television of 2000, uh, July 31st through August 6th. Uh, my girlfriend and I were having one of those quarantine contests and like, can I put on the most dated thing on, you know, pull the most dated thing in the world up on YouTube? And she's like, I don't know if you ever heard this, um, but we loved it so much. Twenty, And it was Stephen Lynch. And I, want, I, I thought maybe even Sarah would be on board. Like half of... Half of the comedy file sharing sites were carrying things by Stephen Lynch. His Comedy Central mm-hmm. Presents debuts this week. A, a musical comedian who was everywhere for like five years. And I'm like, did he die? I, I, don't, I can't think of anybody that, that was this popular that I haven't heard of, I haven't thought of in 15 years. And sure enough, he's not. And he's been doing stuff aplenty. I think the reality was I lost satellite radio because they had like a comedy music channel. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. But... Uh, I don't know. He was like at the head of whatever subgenre that is. And this this was one of the, I think it was one of the higher rated Comedy Central Presents. He got another one and this aired constantly. But I have not seen this guy on anything in at at least a decade. Stephen Lynch, am I totally am I totally you don't know who I'm talking about? I, I didn't recognize the name until then I, I saw the clip that the, we're gonna close out with. And yes. I was like, oh yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. the guy who did the song about Jesus's partying brother, um, Craig Christ, <laughs> <laughs> which is it, it's, I, like I, 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 not a lot of things come into my. I'm always looking up old things, looking for material for Laser Time, and she put that song on. I'm like, I know every word of this. I just haven't 
thought about it in a decade and i wanted to make like whatever happened i'm like ah shit is comedy central present premieres next week i'm so excited to get to talk about it. i really thought sarah would know who i was talking about yeah no this and, one has escaped me but uh yeah yeah this is also around the time of napster and the, the, like the most prominent comedy music, musicians end up being misattributed to a lot of different songs and he and mm-hmm. steven lynch was one of those people like this clearly isn't him but he's if it's a white guy with an acoustic guitar he's gets weird out into the fucking artist title Yes, I just wanted to make sure, like, I wanted to blow people's minds like my lady did, like Stephen Lynch. Really funny dude I haven't thought about in a long time, and sad to learn he's been out there doing shits, and I just haven't seen it. Cause well, he's I, probably selling out clubs or right, he's probably all of this happened. I mean, guys like that generally do big club business, which they're road dogs, and, and they make a lot of money off of it. Right, I remember, like, I thought of, like, man, that Carlos Mencia sure was disgraced. I bet he's not... Up oh, every every week, he's out somewhere working mm-hmm. a giant fucking casino, and like just because I haven't thought about selling it, out, probably, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and but yeah, I just wanted to remind the world of Stephen Lynch because I thought he was really fucking funny. And also on the fifth for television in two thousand, Quarantine, the TV movie with Harry right? Hamlin and Jolie Carter. So uh, timely. Not a very notable movie. I couldn't even really find a trailer that uh, was fun. But I just thought it was fun that we had a TV movie called Quarantine out 20 years ago oh, um, yeah. where Harry Hamlin plays the president Yay! He's trying to maintain order while the CDC reach- researcher played by Natasha Kinski tries to find a cure for a deadly yeah. virus. It must be a boring movie. It's going to take 18 months. Uh, until then, take your hydrochloroquine. <laughs> uh, quarantine the movie, everyone. Tell us if you know anything about it. Not really anything for games, but uh, who knows? I might find more. And when I eventually, uh, we do August games, patreon.com slash laser time. Hopefully, Chris Baker will join us again. It is a full blown uh, nostalgic extravaganza for games of that period with people, I think, with Baker giving us over 80 years worth of uh, collective video game experience <laughs> in the industry professionally yes uh but we're gonna close out with craig christ by stephen lynch a song i still think is hilarious a total <laughs> jesus christ uh bro brother who's out there <laughs> crushing cans and puss while his, <laughs> while his brother's healing the sick uh still makes me laugh um just want to give a shout out to stephen lynch but we'll be, be right back with 2010 so stay right there i don't turn water into wine but into cold coolers night i'm not my brother i know don't walk on h2o but i got hydroponic shit to me and judas grow i'm fucking crazy yeah i'm fucking crazy yeah i'm fucking crazy great christ Hello, fellow nerf herders. Did you not like Last Jedi, Rise of the Skywalker, or would you just prefer a majority of Star Wars fans take a slow walk into a volcano? What I'm saying is, are you sick of Star Wars? Well, I thought I was, but my co-hosts Jeremy and Adam beg to differ. Except when they don't. Get ready for a whole lot of love, a whole lot of hate, and a whole lot of geeky therapy in our new series, Sick of Star Wars with a Big Giant Question Mark, exclusively available at patreon.com slash laser time. Here's a little taste. My monkey. And when you look well, at sci-fi from the 60s, what defines sci-fi are things like Logan's Run, Planet of the Apes, uh, Silent Running, which has a, you can see a lot of, I think, the same robot designer from Silent Running, which is about Bruce Dern locked in a biosphere going mad with three robot partners. Soylent Green, a movie, a dystopic movie about the future where humans are eating one another. Westworld, where robots, robots rising up against us. That's what this is going up against. There is not... 
sci-fi of adventure anymore. It is sci-fi of society, and where will this all take right. us? How dare we have the hubris to think we are gods? That's like the thesis <laughs> of all sci-fi at this point. You know what the highest-grossing sci-fi movie of all time is at this point? Not adjusted. What the Matrix? Uh, let's say Matrix. let's say sixty-eight. Around the time THX eleven thirty-eight comes out. Uh, Kubrick. Bam! Jeremy with the boom. Discovery one voyages towards Jupiter. Controlling the mission is a talking computer known as Hal. You don't have to have seen 2001 A Space Odyssey. I think most of us have a general idea of what it is. I've seen it a ton of times. I enjoy it. In the mid-70s, proposing a movie like Star Wars would put it in what the studios considered the same genre as 2001. Yeah. It seems preposterous. Mm. Like, these couldn't be further... And, and believe me, as a little kid who gotcha. saw this on TV, like, oh, I love Star Wars. I should check out right. 2001 A Space Odyssey. But essentially, they were too close to see what a cultural change they were right in the middle of, is what you're saying. I think, I don't know. I don't want to shit on Star Wars because it's very important to oh, me. Oh, really? Not uh, like you have a whole podcast series to go to theater. Oh, that's sick of Star Wars. Available exclusively at patreon.com slash lasertime, along with weekly bonus shows, over 100 movie commentaries, exclusive bonus podcasts, and more for just five bucks. And that's in addition to the brand new show, Sick of Star Wars, an angst-ridden podcast saga told in nine parts. Listen long and prosper. This is so wizarding. Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea, it's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of July 31st through August 6th, the other stuff we can talk about. Uh, there's some things hitting interesting anniversaries and all that, but I'm not going to talk about any of those because as many, many, many of you people tagged me as it happened, we lost Olivia de Havilland last week. She was a hundred and four and uh, she's the last big star of the 30s that we had. There's a couple other folks around, like literally three of them, maybe. Like Norman Lloyd, he was he was in Saboteur. He's still around. But, uh, I mean, of big Hollywood stars, she's, she's the last one. And her life was fucking fascinating. And she was uh, a great actress, an interesting personality. Yeah, her whole background is really interesting. And so... In honor of Ms. Olivia, we've got to recommend a couple movies for you. Let me start with The Heiress from 1949, directed by William Wyler, starring Olivia de Havilland and Montgomery Clift. Holy crap, this movie is great. It's an adaptation of, of a play. It's adapted from a Henry James novel, and it's about this sort of mousy woman who just, like, doesn't think she's ever, like, gonna find a guy. She's really shy, and uh, she kind of gets swept up in this romance with this guy who's after her money and she is up she's just incredible in it she has to play so many kind of different types of a character who's all like this one believable sort of you know plain boring kind of person and and you watch as she develops as she's deal with these emotions of like falling in love and do you trust him and oh maybe he's double-crossed you and oh my god the heiress is so good and then Let's get the kids involved here. I got to recommend two movies that's like, if you're not into classic films, especially if you got young kids that you want to like show them a really old ass movie that they're going to enjoy. Two of her movies with Errol Flynn, and she made a whole bunch with Errol Flynn, but two of them in particular, Captain Blood from 1935, 
which is probably like maybe the best pirate movie ever. It's really, really fun. Uh, directed by Michael Curtiz, who also directed like Casablanca and a bunch of other stuff. And it's about like, I know this doctor in the Caribbean and like he ends up getting involved with these like evil plantations. And then he takes to the high seas and becomes a pirate captain. And it's like, it's so much fun. If you liked any kind of swashing or buckling or that first Pirates of the Caribbean movie or anything, Captain Blood is like top of the list for pirate movies. And then the one that I, it's a kind of amazing that you can take a movie that's more than 80 years old. You could plop any child in front of it and they will get it like that. You don't have to explain it. You don't have to give them context. It's in Technicolor. Adventures of Robin Hood from 1938 with Errol Flynn and Olivia de Havilland. Besides being the obvious basis for the Disney Robin Hood, which I know everybody loves, it is a ton of fun. It's got a great score. It's got incredible action and cool sword fights and archery. And everyone's wearing bright green tights. Yeah, I know. But it's so cool to take something that is it's 82 years old. And you could take a five-year-old and put it on in front of them, and they would get it 100%, and I think they would really enjoy it. And Olivia de Havilland is, like, a lot of times she got stuck in these, especially early on in her career, she got stuck in these sort of, like, damsel roles. And this is one where it's like, she's a damsel, but she is ready to fuck shit up at a moment's notice. Like, she can handle herself. And it is really cool. Also, she made a lot of melodramas to each his own, I guess I'll recommend, and in This Our Life. I, I don't like her as much in melodramas because... You know, they're really, they're weepy and everyone's having to give up babies and cry about it all the time. And yeah, I like it when Livia de Havilland is like tough. And so those are my recommends. The Heiress, Adventures of Robin Hood, throw Captain Blood in there just because it's so much fun. And uh, yeah, RIP Olivia de Havilland. Stay classic. Welcome to 2010, everybody. Coming in with Love the Way You Lie by Eminem featuring Ariana. Guess what? With that potent combo, it is number one. Welcome to 2010, everybody. <laughs> what? F for Eminem? Ariana. Well, Which one do you hate? Look, I'm not a... Oh. You're a Beyonce person. Well, I love Riri, too. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't think it's surprising to anyone that I'm not a big fan of Eminem. And this song is certainly a banger. But it mm-hmm. also really has some not great lyrics about toxic relationships and mm-hmm. um, perhaps, you know, uh, domestic assault if you want to, if you look at the lyrics. Not to mention, I mean, look, we, I'm not a huge fan of Eminem, but I can absolutely acknowledge he's a very good lyricist, <laughs> re- like just pretty much a genius. However, I cannot <laughs> get over the lyric. Now you get to watch her leave out the window guess that's why they call it a window pane yeah. <laughs> nope nope not cool man oh no, <laughs> oh, no. okay so, you know we all have all right. our good days and our bad days he probably should have taken a second run at that one though you know, as, 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 as I get older, I realize Eminem is just, he's just the stepchild I'm going to get. It's inevitable. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what scares me. 
Um, welcome to 2010 with all of that baggage, everyone. I, I like picturing you as the stepdad from Strangers with Candy. <laughs> <laughs> the meat salesman? I'm in. I can be Stu. The guy that's frozen. <laughs> uh, oh, no. That, yes. Sorry. That's a real dad. Um, oh, sorry. Uh, new releases for music. We got Secondhand Serenade with Hear, Hear Me Now, King of the Beach by Waves, and The Suburbs by Arcade Fire. Hey, look, an album I had. Um, hey. <laughs> nice album. Real did. I know. It's like, it was like, that was fun. It's like, would you recommend it? I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> pick it out of a lineup. Yeah, I don't care. It I, was fun. I liked it. Yeah. Um, 2010, a little bit of news. Uh, oh, goodness. I'm guessing I'm going to read this. Up. A lot of news, but they're all like weird. Yeah, we got some weird, goofy news. This is one I just turned up, and it was like, "This is too weird and goofy. I have to include it." Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Liberian President Charles Taylor was uh, on trial for war crimes in 2010, and one of the people who testified against him was Naomi Campbell. She testified what? that uh, they ha- were at a party together in 1997, and afterwards he gave her a bag of dirty-looking stones. Mm. He's found guilty and sentenced to 50 years in prison. But just the idea of like, okay, a supermodel, the president of Liberia, they're at a party. She goes like back to her hotel room and someone just knocks on the door and hands her like, here's a bag of blood diamonds. Thanks for coming. Wow. They're uncut gems. (laughs) I need you to travel around the world in a hot air balloon. Uh, Distributing these. Anyway, uh, that's a reference for me and me alone. Uh, Yeah. Okay. I never heard of that. No, Uh, I hadn't heard of that either. But it's just, well, that's too interesting. I got to throw it in. I, I mean, I have to say, Naomi Campbell has had a very interesting life. Like, she Indeed. has been everywhere, done everything. I mean, that lady is, you know, mean to her assistants, but very cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and lighter news, oh my god, uh, Horse Ebooks joins Twitter. And Jesus, I did a little bit of a little look into this. <laughs> I, I didn't even know it was gone. Apparently, it was it was yeah. it was purchased unironically by someone to get involved in a video game of somehow. Uh, oh. But horse eBooks, I don't. I know this isn't when Twitter first started, but like it was the silliest thing we'd ever seen. <laughs> and in terms of like mm-hmm. it, the fascinating thing about it is that like I think was someone actually doing this. It was it was a legitimate account meant to promote ebooks with horses in them and would just randomly take uh randomly take a <laughs> an excerpt from a book and just post it and it would just like some of them would be hilarious some of the like that's the coldest shit i've ever heard in my whole life <laughs> what the fuck horse ebooks it's it's just so it is really really random i'm just looking now they ended in 2013 but mm-hmm. some of those last tweets are do these simple things and you are guaranteed to keep your license or regret it yeah <laughs> Uh, excerpts on, on on their wiki. Uh, I will make certain you never buy knives again. That's that just came out of nowhere. And well, that's a uh, huge problem for me. To be fair, I'm always buying knives, and it's so annoying. But what I appreciated about it, like, is four words like this with no context. Everything happens so much. <laughs> that's is it. there a Ooh. truer statement than where we are right I now? I know, but the only context Everything you had is that it's so sitting it's right sitting next to an astride horse, like running in a <laughs> running in the yeah. desert, and um. <laughs> Apparently, it avoided spam because it wasn't completely automated. Like somebody was doing this to promote the existence of ebooks from Russia or something like that. <laughs> what the fuck? Because it, it never got banned. It never got banned at all. It's just now owned hmm. by somebody who doesn't give a shit. Uh, and horse now ebooks. Twitter is rife with bots that Twitter doesn't give a shit all about right. either. Maybe they should have stopped horse ebooks and things would 
be better now. We wouldn't have all those Russian bots retweeting the president, making him feel better about himself. Wow. Well, of course, ebooks walked so that these Russian bots could run <laughs> <laughs> away with the election. <laughs> uh, and even lighter news: Alicia Keys and Swizz Beats, Mary, they are still together. Okay. Yay! I had to double check because, like, the last couple <laughs> couples we had, it took, we thought we were still together. It's like they separated, like a week before yeah. mm-hmm. you can't still be popular yeah. and be married for 10 years that's impossible yeah I think there was something scandalous about this pairing though when it first started out and i can't remember mm. exactly what it was maybe our, one of our listeners can remind me but this is also i think right about the time that she stopped wearing makeup altogether and now mm. if you see her like any of her tv appearances or magazine appearances or anything like that she doesn't wear any makeup at all really i mean she's fucking gorgeous so who cares but like it's yeah. just a interesting stand to take as like a, a female celebrity mm. cool um and on, on also in 2010 this week 33 chilean miners are trapped in a cave and they will be there for the next nice 69 days man, up top, my brother man did i miss the movie that was made about this because i'm sure i remember reading about it uh, yeah there was yeah what the fuck and yeah, but it was so neat, like from an engineering standpoint of watching like how they how they got down to them to like get them food and water and they like got them iPods to keep them busy. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of scandal, though, I remember reading an article about it, about how some of these men had multiple girlfriends show up to oh, no. the like site that were like all wait, you're grieving for this guy. I'm grieving for this. Guy. What what's going on here? <laughs> I'm his wife. Go to the girlfriend section. Oh, <laughs> this is so oh, silly. That's so awkward. Yeah, that's God. Amazing. I hate when I get. I hate when I get trapped in a cave in and like my boyfriend <laughs> and my husband show up. What is oh what God. is so, so embarrassing? Attractive about a fucking cave in. We had one of those recently. Uh, in this one, I'm guessing Elon Musk didn't call someone trying to get people out a pedophile, but. Uh, <laughs> when Kirk Douglas died, I watched Ace in the Hole again, and like I, yeah. I cannot recommend that movie enough for the modern era. That fucking that movie is a fantastic and all about someone exploiting the tragedy of a cave-in. Um, mm-hmm. And for maybe just California people, but like uh, Canary yeah, in a coal a mine for deal. something. Yeah, uh, Prop Eight is declared unconstitutional in California. Yay! Shitty Mormon, poorly worded law that somehow got voted in in California that prevented gay marriage just ten years ago feels like yep. an, it feels like an eternity. And like this is and this is also for little Christopher Antista the last time I could get away with saying I don't vote because uh, something I cared about and wish I could have changed was actually occurring and I sat it out and I felt guilty about it. You and didn't it, vote in two thousand eight. I did not. Oh, I did not. I, I like I, I love saying that. Like you fucking libtard Obama person. Oh, I never voted for Obama. Never. Mm. I never did. Stop. Yep. It. Cut it out. Yeah. This was uh, and also when people say like, oh, California is so liberal. They're super crazy liberal. Mm-hmm. Like, OK, first of all, a big chunk of the state, the inland chunk of the state is practically West Texas. Yeah. And second of all, the, the exact same ballot where California voted for Barack Obama, we voted to and gay marriage. We had mm-hmm. already had some gay marriage, and we voted to stop it. I mean, that I, was I, a very confusing, like I thought. Yeah, there was a lot of people who, who said they didn't know what they were voting for. Whether they were, am I for Prop Eight or against it? What does it do? Mm-hmm. Does it mm-hmm. ban yeah. or allow? And uh, and it was kind of marketed confusingly by uh, nefarious Mormons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge amount of uh, LDS money went into that. Don't well, appreciate that, guys. 
And in Florida, <laughs> it, during the same election, it didn't get as much attention. But we have the same sort of situation where there was a constitutional amendment that was proposed on our ballot for, that would basically declare marriage only between a man and a woman, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. on in our constant in our state constitution. And I campaigned obviously against that amendment, but having to explain to people as I was like talking to people about having to explain to them like, no, if you're for same-sex marriage you need to vote against this amendment like it it was like you know the way it's worded it's it was meant to confuse people it was very frustrating yep prop eight was kind of the same way yeah exactly you got thrown out with a vengeance so good on you california got thrown out uh i believe on the same grounds that all those other gay marriage bans get thrown out a couple years later of just like Mm -hmm. uh no equal pretension under the law so sorry Mm -hmm. deal with it just and it is One if, of, you're, it is, if you're a guy and you get married to a woman, you get treated one way. And if you're a guy, you get married to a man, you're treated another way. And that's that's sexist. Mm-hmm. That's sexist. Yes. The Supreme Court just said that in a huge opinion that was released a couple weeks ago. That was a, a really big deal that yeah. extended employment protections to LBGT plus people. It, it, it's one of the yep. it, it, I, I haven't thought about it in so long. It, so I haven't been infuriated about it, but it brings it all back. And it's one of those things I like to remind the right. Remember that gay marriage was one of those things they made us all fight about for 20 years and then it happened mm-hmm. and you haven't thought about it at all because it mm-hmm. didn't affect you at all. It was just America yeah, like, you know, I think it's time to change the tires. I think so too. And then just none of your life was impacted. And <laughs> why this, these, are, nope. these are things we are made to fight about that we don't really need to argue over. But uh, one side in particular... Likes to pick wedge issues. And, oh, it just makes me so fucking mad. Especially because, like, I can't imagine... I, even at the time, I couldn't imagine having a stance on this. I just always even said, I think, on podcasts, if if you're a man who is straight and you care about anyone else's marriage, you're gay. It's <laughs> like, what are you doing? You should never, ever think as a straight white male, ever think about anyone else's marriage. Uh, it, it, it should never occur to you. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, moving into movies, I should have got it on the laugh. Movies of 2010, July 31st <laughs> through August 6th. Rest Repo is out. A movie yeah. that is, I believe, is somewhere still in my Netflix queue. Uh, Me too. That was the last physical Netflix disc that I received from Netflix that wow. I just eventually returned because I never got around to watching it, unfortunately. Wow. Uh, yeah. But, uh, uh, nominated yeah, for an well, Oscar? Uh, yeah, nominated for Best Documentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, it's a hard one to watch. I'll give you that mm-hmm. one because it is on the ground in Afghanistan uh, mm-hmm. back in, uh, I think they're filming in 2008 or nine. I know at least one of the cameramen and was killed later uh, doing the, combat stuff, but it's... The director was killed. I think. I'm positive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, Tim Harrington. Yeah, mm-hmm. but Tim, it's, Harrington. it's... Really freaking good. It is. I mean, it, it's a documentary, but the, it feels like an action movie because it's just like, what is it like to be on the ground day to day doing grunt shit out in the middle of nowhere in Afghanistan? And I, uh, I think that's how it, how it was written yeah. about. Just the the technology of cameras was so good at that point. Like, no, this is a real war, and this small, beautiful camera is bringing you footage back in glorious cinematic form, and it's kind of tough to wrap your head around. And it's yeah. it's it's definitely one of, it is one of those things that sort of felt like homework, and I was a little terrified 
to watch it because you know there's a little me out there not voting yeah oh yeah well it's gonna make you angry i feel like almost no matter what your politics are there'll Mm -hmm. be something in there that's gonna piss you off Mm -hmm. about like yeah why are we over there why are they trying to kill us why are we doing this yeah afghanistan not fun it's never been fun no not like a thousand years it hasn't been fun well i don't know rambo three uh, but Rambo 3 was pretty fun. <laughs> but, uh, the Wildest Dream is also out. I don't know anything about that. Uh, it's another documentary, but it's about Everest, mm-hmm. and it tells a parallel stories of is it Mallory? I think it is that uh, mm-hmm. got lost trying to scale Everest, and then the other story of like the guy who finally found his body. Because mm-hmm. when you die up there, you just die and. You don't decompose. I was shocked by that. You can find a ton of pictures of it. Like, no one brings you down, and there are bodies all over the place. Mm -hmm. Some of them are landmarks now. It's like, oh, we made it as far as green boots, Mm -hmm. because someone's been there for like 40 years. Yeah. Who's got green boots on? And and you just, every once in a while, you hear one of those stories of a a mountaineer who's almost dead, but lost for a little bit, and like, oh, by the way, yeah, I I found your son's body from 20 years ago. Uh, mm. While I was, lo- yeah, like shit like that happens on Everest. It's kind of a stupid thing to do. <laughs> uh, I think it is an incredibly stupid thing to do. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's also a very trendy thing to do. Where mm-hmm. they're now they're dealing with huge amounts of litter. Yeah, on mm. Everest. Yeah, because there's so much like adventure tourism happening where people are just like, oh, I'm gonna climb Everest and just yep. get rid of like you know their air tanks and their you know cliff bar wrappers and yep. all kinds of shit that people bring with them. And however. And actual and, poop. And actual poop, of course. Yeah. Always. Can't forget that. But I feel like if you are an Everest, like if you're climbing Everest and you die on that mountain, you probably are the type of person that you want to leave your body there. Right. You know? You I leave wa- your body to the mountain. Much like yeah. Space Cowboys, the ending of Space Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea that would be referenced again. Uh, yes. Also, in these times, a very rich and white thing to do, and I don't have a lot of sympathy for people who die in a mountain like that. Um, oh, no. you, you took my entire uh, house payment and climbed up a mountain, did yeah. you? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. did it not go well? Oh, it did. And you're not the, wait a minute, you're not the first person to climb that mountain? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yes. Mm. Uh, I'm glad. I hope they have some equivalent of the I voted sticker because, man, that's cool. <laughs> uh, 12 is also out this week with Kiefer Sutherland, Ellen Barkin, Rory Culkin, 50 Cent, Emma Roberts, uh, Chase Crawford. Why have I never heard of this? Or was this that movie 50 Cent lost a lot of weight for? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, no, it's not. I'm not Clearly sure fun. about that. It's a drama about like a drug dealer and his life and it's like based on a novel it's it got directed it's directed by joel schumacher r.i.p but it got blisteringly bad reviews Mm. uh i saw people saying like this is the worst film that has ever screened at sundance we hate it so much oh my i'm like whoa okay well to give you some context chase crawford is one of the male leads of gossip girl okay so Doesn't that kind of gives you an idea of like <laughs> what you're dealing with there. And I mm. I say that as someone who loves Gossip Girl, but not really yeah. known for I say it as someone out, who but... doesn't, that doesn't help at all. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah, but it's about like, you know, a young drug dealer and oh, his life falls apart and his friend is murdered and someone else gets arrested for it and eh, yeah. 3% on Rotten Tomatoes. So Yeah. Put it into eight episodes, Yikes. stick it on Hulu and then I'll watch it. Just uh, wait till How the Biscuit Made covers it. <laughs> uh, the Disappearance of Alice Creed is also out this week. Uh, yeah. Don't know this at all either. 
I had like I had the feeling that I saw this, and then it's like, wait, no, is this a different movie? And it's like, oh, okay, it's some other movie I saw. But reading up on this, this sounds pretty cool. Uh, with uh, Gemma Arterton, Martin Compton, and Eddie Marsan, who I always like Eddie Marsan. He's one of those like British gangster looking motherfuckers mm. in everything. But it's about these guys kidnap this heiress, and then there's a lot of the tables turning on everybody, mm. like. She starts fighting back and then she tries to seduce this one guy. And then it turns out, oh, that other guy, part of the plan was this all along. And yeah, yeah so this, I, I, I like anything like that. Honestly, I, I like death and the maiden shit like that, where it's, we, we have, you know, basically almost like a locked room mystery of who's going to double cross who the most and get out alive. Ooh. And it got really strong reviews. So Disappear- disappearance of Alice Creed, I feel bad. I didn't watch uh, a movie. I, the worst movie I've ever really loved. What I can't say that, but a, a, a inarguably bad movie about something fascinating that I, I mildly recommend uh, is out this week. The Middlemen. James Caan, Gabriel Macht, Giovanni Ribisi, and Luke Wilson. The Middlemen. What most people don't know is it was impossible to buy anything online. No! 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 Until these two idiots came along. What good is the internet for if it's not entertaining? take some pictures we scan them we upload them and we make a little money what are you doing do not interrupt me for the next 15 minutes it's it's a fascinating story that i think is done better justice in an utterly cliched scorsese ripoff style but Mm. just a burgeoning internet that is has things to show you and entertain you or titillate you but no way to monetize absolutely anything so it's about the first people to build monetization tools for the internet and yep. wouldn't you and know it? Yeah. Where does that go? Porn. It it not only goes to porn, it tends to go, it also goes a little darker. And that's what ends up tainting these people. Because like, are you paying attention to who you're giving this technology to? What kind of porn is this? Is this legal porn? Or is it the type of porn that is illegal? Or are people using it to buy drugs? But like, it is a fascinating story of the people who helped monetize not the internet, but like to build commerce on the internet. I remember using the internet for years and there was there was nothing you could buy at all until yep. eBay brought us PayPal or I think they bought PayPal eventually. But like it, it no one was really trying to figure that out because the need well, the need was mostly pornography. And Visa yeah. wasn't gonna do it for you. So the but these guys did. And Yeah, but so the backstory on this movie mm-hmm. is so much more interesting oh, yeah. than the movie. Yeah. And the movie's already pretty interesting. Like, yeah, that's kind of a, a little it's, it's, a, a it's like, you hungover, know, a behind hang, the scenes thing. If you can find it a hangover Sunday watch, it's perfect. It's like it's it's something yeah. about the internet that you probably never thought about. That like somebody yeah. had to figure this out and I remember it took years. Mm-hmm. But the backstory on this is this is produced by a guy named Christopher Malik, who is behind the, the companies Ooh. that did this, Paycom and then ePassport. Mm-hmm. So it's basically him producing a fictionalized biopic about himself. Oh, my goodness. Now That's how much the, money he made. <laughs> at the same time, though, uh, he threw something like $34 million of his own money into it. At the same time, while he was running ePassport, uh, they got shut down by Visa because of irregularities. Hmm. And there were millions of dollars that people were not getting back. Mm-hmm. He might have stolen millions of dollars to make a movie about himself. <laughs> to wow. make, to make and 
$753,000 at the box office. Right. And then, on top of everything, then he turns around and he sues Paramount saying, you didn't release my movie properly or promote it. And that's why it didn't make any money back. And I was trying to find more information, like recent information about Christopher mm-hmm. Malick, because there was a ton of stuff from like early 2011 about e-passport getting shut down because Visa wouldn't process them anymore, which just froze everyone's money. And mm-hmm. there was no way for them to get them get it back and it was like based out of the bank of st kitts and navis and it's like all this fucking shady financial bullshit and i found all these people complaining about i need my i've got hundreds of thousands of dollars locked up in here and i can't get my money back i i can't find out what happened did anyone get their money it's happening literally millions of dollars not with millions but it's happened to me twice through online poker shit like the second that is yeah. regulated and becomes illegal and those places falter like, oh, I didn't cash out because I don't fuck. Thank God I'm not the type of person who plays this every day. I didn't know that happened. And I just, yeah, whatever. It's like I went to Vegas. Who cares? But no, it, yeah. again, it's like we're talking about like $200, not not millions of dollars. Yeah. yeah. Oh, of course they were involved in poker too. And then like mm-hmm. U.S. attorneys were after them and that's part of the stuff. Yeah. So I'm really annoyed that I could not find more recent stuff than like 2014 about what happened to e-passport what happened to christopher malik what did anyone get their fucking money back uh, yeah if you, if, if you weren't there to play online poker you don't remember how shady that shit was there was no transferring of digital funds you had to like buy like fucking fo- phone cards and then transfer them over here and it required like a bunch of middlemen and then eventually one company figured out how to like oh we, we'll do all the shady shit for you for a fee <laughs> in order to yep. transfer your money into like a costa rican casino that you can play digitally mm-hmm. it's so weird and uh and also a good reason to be pro-regulation if you're not a millionaire you should encourage your government to regulate people like this <laughs> yes yeah. it's, it's what protects you from people who wish to do you harm and take everything you have Besides, oh, middlemen, that seems like an interesting thing to make a movie about, mm-hmm. finding out, oh, it's a guy making a movie about himself. Now I kind of want to watch Behind Middlemen, yeah. <laughs> Middler Men, about yeah. the making of middlemen. Oh, it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. Uh, especially because like, uh, they, they shot so many explicit scenes, it was given the equivalent of an X rating. And like those mm. scenes eventually were leaked to Pornhub, and they remain there. Because mm. <laughs> you can't see them in the, in the theatrical or rentable movie. Yeah, but yeah, there's some exclusive video of Luke Wilson on Pornhub. Enjoy, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, indeed. Uh, moving on to a movie I think more people are familiar with. Alison Stoner, what a great name. Sharni uh, Vinson, uh, Adam G. Savani, Rick Malabry. I'll say that, Malabry. Uh, Step Up 3D. This Friday, take the biggest step of all. In 3D. Let's do this. Step Up 3D is the hottest party of the summer. You up for a little competition? I never lose. Step Up 3D. <clears throat> Not for me, but you'll never... Here's, here's a tip, adults. Don't shit on kids' dance movies. There's kid, there's dance movies every generation. They're not for you. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to shit on Step Up. That's ridiculous. Good I for kids. did go see this movie in the theaters. With 3D? I love dance. Yeah. And oh. I do love a dance movie, and uh, it's fine. It's good. Like it's it's a dance movie. It's it's basically like America's Next Best Dance Crew. Or, My dad wants um, to make dancing illegal. 
We got, yeah. We got, <laughs> no, it's not like that. It's basically just like, you know, uh, uh, any reality show about dance with like slight storylines in between. It's like porn. It's like <laughs> great scenes and then some sort of storyline that like fast forward, kind fast of forward. connects it, but nobody cares about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Fast forward, fast forward. That's what this I did. Is... I watched a couple of the, the dance scenes in this just by, let's just skip to it. Are they dancing? Yeah. Oh, they're dancing now. Mm-hmm. I, and yeah, the dancing's fantastic. I do remember there was a lot music. of like <laughs> dancing in water yeah. parts of it because that really mm-hmm. translates to the 3D of like the water is coming at you. Wow. Yeah, it's cool. I, I, it, we yeah. did a laser time recently on lost film and I don't think most people notice this. Once 3D televisions stop being sold and supported and there's no services that – like 3D versions of these films are gone. They're like – I mean they're somewhere obviously but like – they, like right afterwards, you could have watched this at home on a USB pair of glasses. That's gone. That's gone. It was Jackass 3D, by the way, that was sold exclusively streaming through a service that no longer exists. And you can't actually watch it in 3D, period. And it sort of bums me out because like uh, it was fun to watch almost any 3D movie in theaters that was made for it. Yeah. And- yeah. And this was made for it. That means a bunch of the ads make a big point of this is not up Mm-hmm. Like a bunch of other movies at the time, we filmed this specifically for 3D. Mm-hmm. And we filmed it in 3D and we did a bunch of crap to make it as 3D as possible. And that's it's like, you know, yeah, how awesome. that, from what I know about the process, it is incredibly hard, requires multiple cameras, a shitload of light and a lot of retakes and attention to detail. And now you're dealing with yeah. people who have to like just really work their ass off in ways no actor really has to do in oh, a 3D monster yeah. movie. It's it's definitely uh, I imagine oh gosh I just can't imagine the takes that they had to do mm-hmm. with some of these like dance stunts that they do a lot of it which involves pretty much gymnastics tumbling honestly yeah. like it, it's very intense and um, I mean while we're doing while we're doing our campaign for stunt coordinator mm-hmm. Oscars whenever we get a dance movie they need to get an award because that shit mm-hmm. is very hard I think yeah man yeah. Yeah, I feel like stunt and dance coordination. Yeah. That could be one one topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That feels good. Because I do think stunt is involved with it. I mean, you have people that are using their bodies in a way that most people can't use their bodies and putting their bodies in danger right. um, oh, yeah. of injury in ways that most people can't or would not yeah. or would not do. Do you think Michael Keaton worked harder on Birdman than whoever the fucking <laughs> lead in Step Up 3D is? No. <laughs> and we don't <laughs> no, even he know didn't. that guy's name. Yeah, we don't know his name. I couldn't pronounce it's it correctly. Rick Malambri. Yeah, Mo- old Malambra. We Yeah, of course. <laughs> To go without saying, he's a ho- household name. So uh, rude. I know, I know, but but I'm with you on that because, like, you know, in some circles of the world, like getting an award sort of makes your movie. It's publicity you could never buy, and yeah. but we don't reward movies that do dance sequences and stunts. Like, why wouldn't you? Come on, like, you, you, like you're kidding yourselves here. You dra- you bring more people into the Oscars and you help. Give yourself a little boost in money. Uh, well, wouldn't it be awesome to see like the Oscars? Like, and the award goes to this movie that kind of didn't get a big audience initially, but mm-hmm. does this really cool thing that's worthy of an award, and people mm-hmm. go check it out again, and it's got a second chance at life. I, I, I don't yeah. know. I wish that happened. Well, and also, I mean, it, it kind of goes back to dance as an art form, but also as an athletic endeavor. Like, it really, does not get the. Uh, attention and plaudits that I feel like it should. And I grew up dancing my whole life. And, you know, we would always talk about in dance class, like, is it a sport? Is it an art? It's both, Mm -hmm. but there's no award for dancing. 
there's Which there's still. Tonys, there's Emmys, there's Grammys, there's you know all kinds of awards that you could win for your art form, your performing arts, you know, form, except for actual dance, classical dance, classical ballet or jazz or whatever you're going to do. I mean, the Tonys, I do believe there's a choreography category, but I mean, Broadway mm-hmm. dance is a very specific style of dance. So that kind of eliminates most of contemporary dancers out there right now. Um, and so, yeah, it's just kind of an interesting sort of thing. I mean, unless you are in a major dance troupe or whatever, you really don't get or, or you're on a reality show. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you really don't get any sort of uh, – attention or, or or awards for what you do yeah fucking bullshit it is Oscars for should, step up 3d there should be at least an olympics or something yeah. Come again on. something i don't care about but will hap- happily go to bat for like dude why why no recognition here it's clearly difficult and not everybody can do it we give an award for everything else that's mildly like that I mean, uh-huh. the, during the fucking goddamn quarantine, the world's fastest hot dog eater won something, and like, yeah. <laughs> shooting a gun is a thing in the Olympics. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no, that's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I yeah, I pushed the button that made this machine work. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did close um, one eye to line it up, so that is that's thing. it. I think obviously the Olympics needs to pick up best dance crew. Thank you. There's a floor routine yeah. for gymnastics, right? That would be cool. Yeah. I mean, like, well, there is rhythmic gymnastics, which I think is probably the closest thing to mm-hmm. dance, but it's it's yeah. not the same. And I, I think nah. people win awards for choreography just because in a Broadway sense, it's difficult to award a dance considering you see a different performance every night. And choreographers to give an overarching, like, I like what this is about. But yeah, you're right. Like... I, we we are in an interesting time where you could be making more interesting dance movies um, mm-hmm. in either theaters or streaming, and it's probably deserving of some recognition. Yeah. 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 Same yep. could be said for comedy, um, <laughs> even though I don't want this movie nominated for anything. Uh, what? <laughs> what? No, I, I'm just not. Yeah, not it's got fan. some stunts in it. Yeah, it surely does. Really bad. St- I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm not a fan of this movie. Uh, no. Despite the no. <gasps> Dwayne Johnson, Sam Jackson, like, that should be its own movie. Mm, um, but that's the point. I know. I know. Uh, Eva Mendez, Steve Coogan, Michael Keaton, Mark Wahlberg, Will Ferrell, the other guys. In the NYPD, there's the cops we look up to. We know, we know. You're the best. Hey, hey, hey. If I want to hear you talk, I will shove my arm and work your mouth like a puppet. Real, real characters. And then there's the other guys. I want to do good cop, bad cop. I come strong and then you come in. Got it. I want to know everything. Hey, I'll talk to you. You're reasonable. You want to talk to me? I thought you said bad cop, bad cop. The other guys. <laughs> I, I, I want to give, I want to give just because of how much I love the departed. Um, Mark the Wahlberg departed. in that movie is yelling at a dude who didn't put cameras out back during one of their stings. And he's like, what the fuck? What are you doing? He's like, shut up. Quit grabbing me. Who the fuck are you? He's like, I'm the guy who does his job. You must be the other guys. And, <laughs> and now he's in a movie called The Other Guys. Uh, that's my. That's the only thing nice. I, I don't. I, I don't want to shit on this movie. But but in my in fairness to me, uh, Adam McKay and Will Ferrell made this movie, and then they make their contractually obligated Anchorman two. And Adam McKay never makes this kind of movie ever again. And Will Ferrell sort of stays away from it too. It it just seems it just seems like their brand of shtick kind of like yeah, we're good. Yes, exactly. I, I think they should be commended for that because I, I do think that brand of shtick kind of, eh, 
it leveled off a little bit, and I feel like if they were to continue to milk that cow, mm. it, it would it, it ran it was running dry already. And I, I but, really don't like Daddy's Home one or two, oh. which but oh, I, I did not see those. Yeah. I will see, but it's the same guys, same producers, and undeniably, there's a very weird rapport with Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell. Um, Are they? Is it directed by Adam McKay? Though? Yes, Daddy's Home. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no no, uh, not not dad, not Daddy's yeah. Home, but um, oh okay, I was going to yes. say. But it's, it's from that, their their Gary Sanchez Productions that's co-owned by both sure, Farrell yeah. and McKay. I mean, Adam McKay has a different, a little bit more subtle tone, I think, than what you're going to see with Daddy's Home. I think mm-hmm. uh, there he's going to have the big broad jokes, but he's also going to have the smaller ones, and he's also the type of director that's going to bring in Steve Coogan. Yeah, like Yay. he's great as, as and a he slimy be in every comedy. He's so good at this the sliminess and yeah. is, is normally like the uh the cringy hero and like, no, this does work as the villain as well. <laughs> yeah. But not really a villain, just kind of like a worm. Yeah, like a, a worm. worm guy. Mm-hmm. But someone you're not yeah, rooting for. As yeah. opposed to well, Alan Partridge I mean, or ha- Hamlet too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's unctuous. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they explained the idea that, you know, the the super cops uh, are unavailable and so they got to bring in uh these idiots i, I think uh, the way Wahlberg they go out he's got is... like a rage problem and will ferrell is like an accountant yeah well, he there is, is a rage it's just like i love Very milk toast. there's glimmers like will ferrell's a pushover but then you meet his hot wife and you're like wow he's an asshole too <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's a total asshole uh yeah there, this movie is a very serviceable comedy like yeah. there are definitely parts I laughed out loud. The part where you discover why Samuel Jackson and The Rock are not no longer um, <laughs> able to be police officers is I shockingly laughed. yeah. So I don't I don't get hard. that. I don't I don't want to even spoil. No, it's that it's too it's good such to spoil. A good, it's oh, such did, a big laugh. Did you? What did happens I, to them? I think yeah. I'm. The difference here is that I paid to see this movie, and you guys did. I did too. I saw it in the theaters, and oh, okay. I watched it again like this weekend. Okay. I yeah. I, yeah. I did not. I was really upset because, like, there's few things I love more than Anchorman. I think that's oh, one of the best comedies mm-hmm. ever made, and I, I'll kind of do any watch anything. Well, mostly Adam McKay with us, but Anchorman had a very special alchemy, mm-hmm. though. That mm-hmm. you know, I think we kind of have been trained to try to find in every subsequent like Gary Sanchez production, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I don't think that can be achieved. And I think the sooner you accept accept that in your heart. And go into a comedy <laughs> with an open heart. I think you're going to be much happier with yeah. what you see. It's, like, yeah, like it's, they're, it's they're, closer. They're going after Buddy Cop as a genre, right. and we've yeah. seen how we've even this year we've seen Cop Out how that can fail mm-hmm. with all the best of intentions and the best people behind it. And I think this one does a lot better. Mm-hmm. It's still, it's probably not my, is it, I mean, third or fourth favorite Adam McKay Will Ferrell movie. Sure. But oh yeah, yeah, I still had a good time. Okay. Oh, absolutely. I, I, guess scene- I, I laughed. I laughed too. I love him being a pimp. And <laughs> oh no, the scenes where they—he's in the Irish bar singing mm-hmm. Irish dirges with like his drinking old like ass drinking buddies—is mm-hmm. so perfect. I, I could not stop laughing. It's so perfect, and it's like those little weird touches that are that make this movie really good. God damn it! All I yeah. want to do is talk about the big short so I can watch that again. <laughs> oh, so good. Yep. Every, every single day in the media, I think about Steve Carell's line from that movie. 
not I don't like hate fraud because it sucks and it's naughty and mean. It's because it doesn't ever ever work. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work to lie to get what you want in a short term. You just damage everything. Never mind. It's a great end in, in speech, and you and I think about it every day for some reason. Um, <laughs> other guys, I, I, other guys is by day. the way on Netflix. It's I don't know. Yeah. In terms of I, the second I googled the other guys, it it's the first time Netflix mm-hmm. came up. I'm like, oh, Netflix has like really cornered the Will Ferrell market. They have everything on there. True. So uh, yeah, I absolutely <laughs> recommend it as like a fun like Friday night date night where mm-hmm. you're just gonna order in some food and have some drinks and watch like a fun lighthearted comedy um, mm-hmm. about police officers. So you know, maybe <laughs> bring you into a different state of mind than you may be in right yeah. now. So mm-hmm. I think. Uh, it's a recommend for me. Actually, for sure. the quiet fight yeah. scene was kind of fun. That was. <laughs> oh my god! Yes, so good. And also Michael Keaton. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I love him so much. the The police chief who is also has a second job at Bed Bath and Beyond. <laughs> B three. So good. Uh, B three. But yeah. moving into television of 2010. Uh, Jesus, uh, July 31st through August 6th. Kathy Griffin, My Life in the D-List, it ends. That was not as long-lived as I thought, but, like, Kathy Griffin made quite... She was on basic cable for a long time, and I I guess it wasn't this because of this? Uh, She, well, she was in um, Veronica's Closet? I I don't, like, I knew her her from stand-up, and and most of her stand-up... She she was one of those rare stand-ups where most of her shit was uh, stories about... And most Mm -hmm. of them were about meeting celebrities and, like, being involved... In Hurleywood. And so, like, it was sort of odd to see her elevated, like, you know, the higher you bring her, the more likely you end up in her act <laughs> as executives <laughs> and co stars. So, yeah. Be and, yeah. I mean, she's had a very interesting career. And, and I absolutely admire her because mm-hmm. she does not back down, really. And she just, especially with My Life on the D list, which I watched a lot of on Bravo, mm-hmm. um, and it aired for six seasons. Okay. She was very raw and open about a lot of stuff in her life uh, on this show. Mm-hmm. Like she, she really, for someone who is, you know, a celebrity quote unquote, I mean, that's kind of the joke that she really isn't a celebrity, but you know, as the show went on, of course she became more famous. She was very open about like breakups with partners and divorces and, mm-hmm. you know, her relationship with her parents and stuff, which was very admirable. I thought so. Um, I, so we were just binging Seinfeld. And I thought oh, it was so bizarre. Before I saw that episode, I saw she her episode of Seinfeld is her playing a stand-up who talks about her dates with Jerry Seinfeld. And Jerry's like, stop talking about me. And uh, <laughs> and then the the first the, the second stand-up thing I saw was the HBO half hour where she's talking about what a dick Jerry Seinfeld was on the set <laughs> of Seinfeld. And I just I couldn't believe how prophetic her episode of Seinfeld was. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I do like Kathy Griffin. She's the, she'll when you rewatch Pulp Fiction, she'll be the weirdest thing you see in the film. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> well, it, she's she has been doing what we want from people who are in the celebrity circles, oh, which yeah. is to tell the truth and talk shit about people they meet and tell us yeah. who's an asshole yeah. and who's it's, not an it's asshole. It's why I, like, the only reason I'll watch those Kevin Smith comedy specials, that's all he does. Mm. Tells me what yeah. the inside is like and who sucks and who doesn't. Mm-hmm. It turns out Bruce yeah. Willis. <laughs> or, or just these surreal situations you get into where it's like you're in the bathroom and someone's asking you for a tampon and it's like, oh, that's a lady thing. That's happened before. And Queen like, Elizabeth! Finally, and yeah, and exactly. And it turns out it's like Demi Moore, and you're like, 
What the fuck? Demi <laughs> okay. Morsel is her that period? Would, I was going to say, that would never happen because Queen Elizabeth and Demi Moore have not menstruated for many years. <laughs> but I, I don't know I, I, I take you. I understand yeah, what you're just like the weirdness of like, wait, what? Huh? Famous person, but I know you from movies and shit. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, that's just fun. Yeah, and, uh, she's really, and I mean, I've never been, like, her stand-up is fine. She actually, I saw her live when she came to Tallahassee for Pow Wow, <laughs> which is our Oof. annual homecoming celebration. Which a, a terrible venue for comedians out there. <laughs> um, but I saw her probably 10 years ago, honestly, maybe eight or eight or 10 years ago. And mm. she was fine, but she was definitely like, mm, running an uphill battle for a homecoming like comedy show i go also super weird she dated steve wozniak what what how is that yeah. possible yeah oh god men love their younger ladies in like nope. their late their early 40s what's happening that was part of the show though that, that was like a whole part of the what show the is her and steve wozniak dating so that's ridiculous oh my god yeah. That's insane. She's she's such a fun, interesting lady. I, I, I really like her a lot. Uh, and because I have nowhere else to say it, given my location of where my hometown was, the only place I could see stand-up was like homecoming events for colleges. And I yeah. I saw one person in history thrive there, and it was Dave Attell. And he was the opener. <laughs> and <laughs> Dave Attell fucking murdered that whole crowd. And then yeah. Jim Brewer did I, not. <laughs> oh, Kel Surprise. But yeah. – I saw um, Sarah Silverman at our homecoming a couple years before that, and she was fantastic. She did not do well, though, (laughs) like Mm. in front of – I loved her, but she did not do well in front of – Yeah, you're getting a bunch of people who have never seen stand-up comedy in their life once a year, but they they really love their football team. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, speaking of cool reality shows, I always like the idea of Shaq versus some did of it's on. Did we talk about this? I we can't did. remember, but this is the premiere of the second season. It only had two seasons, and in this season two premiere, he um, competes against Dale Earnhardt Jr. for um, actually surprising who can make the best Bernays sauce. Oh, I was going to say, it, it, uh, how does it's, he? How does he fit in that car? That has to look silly. Yes, it's just driving a car in a circle. <laughs> Do you find something comical about the way I look at my automobile? Yes, Shaq. Yes, I uh, like unless it's a giant SUV, we'll always find something comical about yeah, you and your automobile. Yeah. I would just watch that for half an hour of Shaq trying to get through the window of an NASCAR. <laughs> watch him try and get up from the counter of the NBA recap series. He trips over monitors and pulls out wires. He's a very, very Level tall small man. Villages. As someone who's like six inches shorter than Shaq, the world sucks for me almost all the time whenever I'm trying to fly or fit into something movie theater seats it is funny uh so i'm not also in this episode though battles uh kavya shiva shankar who was the script spelling bee champion oh god oh, oh god. my god so that's fun that he like oh, you know does a little fun. of everything yeah, yeah. oh I god like it. and and because it's like fun. summer reality shows are in abundance and the real housewives of dc debuts i'm guessing this is the 15th version of this show uh, it's it's up there, but this one's very notable because I think there was only one season of Real Housewives of DC, but it is notable because one of the cast members is a woman named Michelle Salahi. I believe her mm-hmm. pronounced her first name Michelle, but she made news. Um, I think it was during the season while it was filming, and then afterwards, it all kind of came to light that she and her husband Tariq Salahi basically snuck into a like 
not state dinner, but like a very high profile event with with uh, the Obamas at the White House with like fake. They just basically faked their way in there and like got pictures with the Obamas and stuff, which was yep. like very wild and very controversial. But it's not the most controversial thing about her because hmm. after while she was still married to the next year in September of 2011, never forget, she was <laughs> still married to her husband, Tariq Salahi, and he she disappeared and she he filed a missing persons report on her. It was later discovered that she had run off with Neil Sean of Journey of the band <laughs> Journey. Yeah. Whoa. Can you blame her? And now they're married. <laughs> so. Whoa. Wow. That is a great way to shame your wife when she leaves you. I got to think of that. And that happens to me eventually. <laughs> yeah. And apparently when they got married, it was a pay-per-view event. What? Where? Vimeo? <laughs> I don't. Wow. Who would pay to see that? Who cares? Sorry. They're rocking my inner guy again. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the Real Housewives of DC was very short lived, but um, Michelle Salahi lives on in our hearts and memories. <laughs> Holy Lord. I was expecting yeah. murder. That did, that did not go anywhere near where I thought it was getting. Uh, and then Sarah has a book uh, to bring up. I'm, yeah, I'm bringing I'm books little... back, y'all. Bring books yeah. back. Go for it. Yeah, so this mm. week on the New York Times bestseller for fiction, we have The Girl Who Kicked the Hornet's Nest by Stieg Larsson, which is the third book in the Millennium Trilogy, well, which how, started my... with The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and The Girl Who Played with Fire, and then the third one was The Girl Who Kicked the Hornet's Nest. Well, um, wasn't Was he not gone by now? Yeah, he was. He was so, gone before like the first one was published. Okay. It, they were yeah, all published posthumously and um yeah he died very suddenly of a heart attack question mark oh neat Mm. now we're talking there's there's some controversy over what might have happened to him Mm. but yeah i just bring it up just because i want to talk about books again and the girl that this whole millennium trilogy is one that i absolutely recommend uh they're very good very fast reads and Mm. start with the first one and read them all i know Myself and my family, we all read them over the course of a summer, and that's basically the only thing we could talk about. Um, it's very, very good. And I believe after this third one, um, Hornet's Nest, there has been, I think, a fourth one that was published that yeah. was uh, published posthumously also based on his notes that I think he was preparing for maybe a fourth book that was taken up by someone who's close to him. Dude, that- kind of coalesced it into another that novel. fucking haunts yeah. me if i die you can't look at my notes no, you're not allowed to look <laughs> at my notes ever no I don't hey, care you don't want me to see your ducktails notes no, come on no i don't look <laughs> i just thought i could i would be the best person to play scrooge mcduck i didn't really want to steer the series <laughs> in any certain direction i just wanted to come with ideas you don't want to walk on the disney lot uninvited with nothing <laughs> pantsless notebook it's just the word butts. <laughs> How are we going to flesh this out to oh, an idea? God. Oh, no. I can't have it. What would Chris want from us? I can't, I can't have it. Uh, not, not my Sylvester Stallone sequel, Over Over the Top. Um, that's, <laughs> uh, but moving into video games, and this is one of the weirdest things ever. It, the only person I know in the universe who would remember it is Michael Blasey Blue, a silly uh-huh. super... Super Melee Brawlers Battle Royale, a DSiWare version of this, the very serious Blast Blue series that I, 
I'm guessing is hyper unobtainable. And the one of the first uh, live Castlevania games, uh, Harmony of Despair, is out this week. We'll talk more about that on patreon.com slash laser time. Uh, brand new episode of Sick of Star Wars up by the time you're hearing this. Um, something I'm really proud of as we move into discussing the original trilogy after, you know, being cruel to the <laughs> the prequel trilogy. And then what I'm only going to guess is a lot of arguing around the sequel trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you can check that out. Patreon.com slash laser time. Want to once again thank proud people like Jason McCoffer, and I'm probably m- mispronouncing his name. I apologize. Patreon.com slash laser time. It's how the laser time video game apocalypse 302010. It's how we all exist. Compensate ourselves, keep the equipment up, keep our hosting right. Thank you guys so much for uh, for helping us out. We really do appreciate it. And um, Di, where can people find you? They can find me on the Twitters at listenernerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast302010 podcast. And coming up next week, as I teased last week, we battle the evil exes. <laughs> Seven of them. Yes. So yes. excited. Uh, Which, I'll oof. just throw this out there now. Wait, she dated twins? Okay. There. <laughs> also, bread makes you fat! Bread makes you fat? <laughs> oh, I love that fucking movie. Um, and... We, now we got to get into who lived and who died, and I didn't want to tease it with sick of Star Wars news. It seemed very fortuitous, but one of the things I, I wanted to talk about in the series is is the, particip- the participation of this man uh, who died in yes. this year or in this in this uh, period. In, in this period, this week uh, in two thousand is when we lost our Alec Guinness, who is eighty six. And if it weren't for Olivia De Havilland beating him by almost twenty years, I would have been talking about his death in Classic Corner because I can't. I kind of can't fathom living in a world where you've seen one Alec Guinness movie and it's Star Wars. Uh, neither. There is so much to dig into. Neither could he. And that's what I want to spend yeah. a little bit of time talking about in Sick of Star Wars is that everyone else. Look, everyone in Star Wars has a mostly negative experience. And until they're given a lot of money to come back and pretend they've had a positive experience. But that was not the case with Alec Guinness. He was very perturbed by Star Wars. He had what he considered a massive body of work outside of it. And late in life, and I do want to say, like, I remember where I was the day he died. He was the Mm. first Star Wars anybody to die. And Mm. the geek world was incredibly upset. It made us all feel really old because... And it's a big one. It's Obi Wan, <laughs> um, yeah. but but like his relationship with Star Wars is like really complicated and mm. and oddly lucrative. <laughs> yep, yeah. But I, I, I mean, look, he, there's some heavy stuff that he did, but you know, I, some of my favorite stuff they did is comedies. Um, I really recommend Lavender Hill Mob, Man in the White Suit, Our Man in Havana, uh, Horse's Mouth, Lady Killers, the original one. Yeah, I mean, this guy started in like the 40s. Uh, and obviously, Bridge on the River Kwai, if you want something a little heavier, Thank which is you. just just a movie that has so much going on in it. My God. There's nothing but, I not to be bring tie it into modern anything. A guy who spends a lot of time working against his own interests and being an asshole at the very, what have I done? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was thinking about this, too. Like, uh, it seems really applicable right now in, in weird ways because it's about... Which is more important, the letter of the law or the spirit of the law? That's a huge theme in the movie. Duty or morality, bitch. Figure it out. Yeah, exactly. So, yes, if you've never seen Bridge on the River Kwai, oh, my God. Mm -hmm. It is 
and it's not just it's not like it's a big old slag it's a lot of fun it's awesome yeah it's one it's one of the best uh it's one of the best prison movies if we can say it like that yeah and uh i mean lavender hill mob and uh man in the white suit are both like super dark comedies that are also like very satirical same with our man in havana yeah recommend them yeah alec guinness please go see another alec guinness movie yeah he would he he will stop rolling in his grave (laughs) but with the bur- with the deaths out of the way let's sign out who was born oh birthday is a doodly do a ding dong goodly doodly ding dong do a birthday, oh, birthday quiz okay here's someone who has come up more than once on this episode Ooh. what yeah Mm-hmm. William Devane. So, <laughs> good shot in the dark, but I wouldn't have done that to you. That's a little too obscure. Uh, born August second, nineteen seventy, turning fifty years old. He was born in Red Bank, New Jersey, where bon dad was a postal worker. No, dad was a postal worker, and he learned how much it sucks to have a job you hate. So he decided to do something fun. So he went to film school, and then he dropped out after four months because he wanted to shoot rather than study. Diana's note: Do both. <laughs> Not Spike Lee. Mm. Not Spike Lee. Uh, mm-hmm. but he made up for this by funding scholarships at that film school. And then on his first film, he went to Sundance, Cannes, and that film is now in the National Film Registry, inducted last year. Mm. Mm. Now, we have talked about some of these movies. Catch and release Southland Tales and Scream 3. Uh, it's not Sarah Michelle Gellar. Nope. It's uh, a guy. No, and he's she's 50. in both of those. Um, Kevin Smith? It is Kevin Smith. Hey. Wow. I was worried you'd get it on Red Bank, New Jersey. I, Jesus, I'm surprised I didn't. But I, I had to remember him being an old man in Southland Tales. Yep. Uh, we also talked about Live Free or Die Hard, Zack and Mary Make a Porno, Cop Out, Dogma, Chasing Amy, and being an uncredited screenwriter in Coyote Ugly. Uh, <laughs> today I also learned that because so many of his films were financed by Miramax, mm-hmm. he has promised to donate all future residuals from his Miramax movies that were anything produced by Harvey Weinstein to the nonprofit Women in Film. And when he saw his residuals were lower than he expected, he just said, I'm just going to donate $2,000 a month for the rest of the time. Whoa. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, you know what? Harvey Weinstein made my career, but he hurt so many people. I'm going to take some of that money and help him. That rules. Yeah, Kevin Smith. That's it's time cool. to stop shitting on him, everyone. For real. I'm fucking. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Fine. Yeah, you don't have to love his movies. He seems like a good dude. He's always fun to listen to now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've always liked listening to him. But, you know, when Diana, you read off like all the things we discussed, could you name a more hit or miss list? Yeah. yeah. Like, like, I love Chasing Amy. Amy, I like Dogma. I love I like Dogma. Zach and Miri make a porno. I love Zach and Miri. I tried to watch Cop Out. Oh, that was it's tough. It's yeah. tough, but that's why he doesn't do what yeah. he he doesn't do that kind of shit anymore. And I haven't seen Yoga Hosers, but I've heard it's like unwatchable. Oh yeah, I heard that, that too. But I like Tusk. I really did. <laughs> I did. Okay, I still I still haven't seen and it. Red yeah, State. he's one of those people. It's like even if I'm not on board with what he's doing, like I like him as a person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, anytime he just starts talking, spilling the Hollywood tea, it's just hilarious mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. even after all this time, he does seem like he's just a guy. Mm-hmm. Just, just a guy. Just a guy living in Ben Affleck's old house with a with a pool on the roof. And <laughs> yep, just just a guy. And he's like, yeah, two thousand dollars a month. What the hell do I care? I have enough. I'm fine. Oh, I love it. Uh, I, yeah, that's awesome. Big big ups to Kevin Smith. Now can't imagine what I do for ha- an extra two thousand dollars a month. Happy fiftieth birthday. You're no longer a young filmmaker. Sorry. <laughs> I was gonna say. I think that's what's what's pleasant about him is that he's 
he is approaching some kind of old age. And when you get that old, he's not so much spilling tea as like, like talking very positive about things he likes and focusing on things he likes or the things he hates. And there's nothing, yeah. there's nothing sadder than a bitter old man. And like, yeah. you don't, you don't even see that most of the time. Uh, it's just a good rule to live by. Mm-hmm. Talk more about things you love. Talk less about things you hate. Yeah. And I, I recommend yeah. wholeheartedly Jay and Silent Bob reboot. It is everything you think it is. If you're coming in from it from a negative perspective, but the chasing Amy parts like move me very deeply. And <laughs> uh, the end of the movie, the post credit sequence is it's a tearjerker. It's, fucking crazy and (laughs) Hmm. uh for people who like kevin smith and geeked him in general which for a long time he was he was sort of like you know the only representative of one of us and now we have a billions uh, of people in the comments of this 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 podcast alone and with that the show is alva but we got plenty more stuff for you at lasertimepodcast.com um and video game apocalypse this week um man we have some fun and unearthed nintendo stuff to reveal to you in audio form as well as Uh, I believe the subject is cannibalism in addition to new games. (laughs) Cannibalism. (laughs) Look forward to that. Let's close out the show with The Suburbs by Arcade Fire. A good album with a car on the front, I believe. (laughs) (laughs) That is correct. It's been a minute. Hey, maybe tell a friend about the show. Uh, Let us know what you think in the comments or on, uh, what is it, 302010 podcast on Twitter. Diane, I got it. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, 302010 podcast. Also, uh, Homework for next week. Watch Chinatown. Ooh, do that. Yeah. Okay, yes. Uh, and then, and yeah, maybe tell a friend and definitely tune in next week. Uh, take us out of here. Arcade Fire, we'll see you guys next week. You always seem so sure.